FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Mud. Mud. And more mud. Welcome back to Mount Morris, Pennsylvania for round four of AMA motocross. Relaxed after practice and before race time, the riders gave us a self-evaluation of their mud skills. Uh, I'd say probably B plus. What kind of mud rider are you? Uh, hopefully a good one. I'd maybe get a B plus, but uh, sometimes A, sometimes D. I don't know. I, I think I learned a lot. Yeah, actually, uh, I don't mind the mud at all. I, I, I prefer to, to stay dry and clean. I think I'd rather be on the four stroke than behind it, because I know it throws a pretty mean roost. <gasps> Depends on how hard I ride, but usually a B plus. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast. High Point, 1997, an all-time classic, an all-time mutter. Uh, man, these are fun to do. Uh, thank you to Liat for making it happen, liat.com, for more information on that. If you want a deal from something from the folks at Liat, email us using the contact form at pulpamex.com. I'll get you a code, and you can save at liat.com, whether it's the 9.5 or the 8.5 helmet, the flex lock boots, the 6.5 velocity goggles. Uh, we've seen the guys out there, whether it's the Nuclear Blast Yamaha team, whether it's the Moto Concepts guys. Lots of people running Liat, and uh, they're head-to-toe. They got you covered, so uh, please check that out. And if you want to save... Email us and send the code. Thanks to Blenzol and Maxis as well. I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line to discuss uh, 1997 High Point, a man who was there along the fence. I was there as a mechanic, and uh, the two gentlemen we will have on later on the show were there also. Uh, it's Jason Wygan. What's up, Weege? Yeah. Oh, man, this is a legendary one. <laughs> it's uh, good. People, it, it's good. It, it's, it's good on uh, all levels. I'm sure most people listening to this know what race we're talking about, the famous High Point mutter that Bradshaw won. And then on a personal level, Damon Bradshaw is just such a popular guy. You know, I was so pumped to see him win. I was just a fan of those days. But I feel like, hey, we joke about your love for Ferry or my love for Brayton. But Bradshaw is universal. Like, everybody's pumped for Damon Bradshaw. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like you were either a Ward or, a St- a Ward or an RJ guy growing up, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like you were either a Bradshaw or a Stanton guy at this era. You could not like them both. You had to like one or the other, depending on what bike you rode, what part of the country you lived in, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I was, sorry, six time, but I was Damon. I was a Damon guy uh, right from the start, and I was an RJ guy right from the start, and that's how these things worked uh, back then. You, you, you embraced Bradshaw. He was a badass uh, motorcycle racer. Unbelievable. He has one, one, one 125 Supercross title to his name, uh, but a ton of wins and a ton of fan love. Yeah, it's, it's one of the all-time mysteries of the sport, like right up there. Like how did it not turn out that Bradshaw won more races? Uh, we could probably spend, and you have actually interviewed him and done a whole podcast on it. There's been multiple mm-hmm. stories about how this ended up not turning out. So by the time we get to 97 High Point, Bradshaw has gone from one of the greatest talents the sports have ever, has ever seen. 
probably expected to be for sure the next superstar of the sport. 100%. That is all set. Yeah, that's that set. is all. Yep. That is all set. And now this race becomes, hey, remember Damon Bradshaw, who was supposed to take over, supposed to be a legend. It didn't quite happen. But how cool would it be to see him just win one friggin' race? Even if it's muddy, we don't care. Yeah. We'll take it. Um, That's what it was. He he retires at the end of 93. He comes back 95 at High Point. Um, yes, because Bradshaw and High Point really had a link. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just his track. The fans loved him. It's weird because, as you know, we talked to him on the show, and he says, you know, it was the closest race to my house. It's six hours away, mm-hmm. but I guess that's motocross for you. <laughs> Uh, it was his home track, six hours from his house. Right. So they were always intertwined. So, yeah, it's like when he decided to come out of his retirement, it was like, well, of course he's going to do it at high point. That's his track. Right, right. And then he uh, comes back in 95. It's the biggest thing ever. Uh, 96, he's back on factory Yamaha. And then this is 97. He loses his ride at the end of 96. He does a privateer Honda team um, with Jim Hale from Axo being the main backer. And, uh, and, and, and now he's 97. And he is a, a privateer guy building his own team. And at this point, I mean, look, 96, Bradshaw, I, uh, he, I don't know what he got. I think he got third at round one in 96. Got second at round two. Or maybe I got it yes, backwards. in Supercross. In Supercross. Yeah. And You're I'm like, like, it is on. Yeah, I'm like, he is back. You know, take yep. that, McGrath. And it never yep. really happens for him the rest of the year. He uh, he has a good season though, uh, but he gets let go at Yamaha, and then now he's starting afresh, you know, with a production bike and some some parts from Honda. Um, well, just adding to that mystery, and again, that's not what this podcast is about. You know, by ninety five, ninety six, it's really McGrath and then Emig as like the second guy, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, and it's just crazy because you go back a few years before that, and the idea that Emig and McGrath would ever be at the level that Bradshaw is is like that you wouldn't even have asked that question, right? Like. There was no doubt that Bradshaw was better than Emig, and no one had even heard of Jeremy McGrath. And then he they they eclipsed everybody to become the best guys of their era. And there's Bradshaw trying, but you know Bradshaw was at that point maybe what could we say top five guy? Yeah, yeah, top five guy, right? Five six guy. Uh, Yet again, I will throw this stat out: Uh, Damon Bradshaw younger than Jeremy McGrath, younger. Yeah, yeah, younger. It, it's absolutely insane. Later. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes. When you think about yes. that. Um, well, I'll just look for I don't think anyone listening to this isn't familiar with Bradshaw, but you can you can explain it this simply. At 16 years old, Durst turning pro, Damon Bradshaw was good enough to win premier class. Yes. <laughs> Supercross races. At 16, he's battling for the lead in the Main event of the 250 class against Rick Johnson uh, in San Diego. Generational talent? Uh, yes, Daniel Blair. He is a generational talent. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. This um, is, yeah. That would have been Jet Lawrence battling Eli Tomac for Supercross wins on a 450 last year. Yep. Um, okay. Okay, so 97. Uh, where are you at? Where's Jason Wygant at? Well, um, yes, I am a, a college freshman. Uh, my whole goal, I got a driver's license. I, I turned old enough to get my license in April of 1995. So my goal when I got my driver's license was I'm driving to High Point. I can finally go to races now because my parents were not taking me to any races. No, hold on. Always, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. You have the famous helicoptering into the Disneyland right. story. Right. So I got to go to twice they had a supercross, a couple times they had a supercross in New Jersey, and one time, yes, helicoptering to Donations in 87. So, Steve, 10 years have passed. <laughs> I'm going to the local races right. at Englishtown, and eventually I become a flagger. I, I believe, yeah, but by 97, I was a flagger. Um, so I'm like, 
okay. That's, when I get that's my yet to be license, determined, though, for reals. But uh, okay. Oh, Anyways. Garbage. So by 95, uh, I'm like, this is great. I'm going to get my license in April of 95, and it's on. Now it's on. I'm going to drive to High Point. I'm driving to Bud's Creek. I'm driving to Southwick. I'm going to the races. That's awesome. Yeah. And, oh, my mom and dad are like, hell no, you're not driving six hours a month after you get your license. <laughs> no. So then I find out Bradshaw is coming back at High Point 95. So now I've got to go. And they, they dig in their heels even more. There is absolutely positively no chance. I think I'm grounded for the weekend. You are not going to High Point 95. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but AXO put together a big Bradshaw's back t-shirt. Do you no. remember this? No. 95 no. High Point? No. This is a big deal. So I go, I could not go to the race, was not allowed. So I go down to my local shop, which is Trapani's Motocross. I don't know if it still exists in New Jersey. And I'm like, hey, you guys sell AXO, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, do you have that Bradshaw t-shirt? And they're like, what t-shirt? And I'm like, I don't know. So they, they call the rep. I guess they call the AXO rep. Okay. And the guy's on the phone. And he's like, did you guys do a Bradshaw t-shirt for High Point? And he says, he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you only sold it at the race? Yeah, they only sold it at the race. And I was destroyed. Crushed. Wow, crushed. that was something. Like, I will never. I would, Steve, I would actually pay money for that shirt now. I would do it. Um, this is a total aside to this race and this podcast. But growing up in Canada, I'm in Canada when Bradshaw comes back. I don't know how you knew he was coming back for High Point because literally in my world up in Canada, I'm like, Damon Bradshaw's back and he raced High Point? Like Wait, you didn't like, know it was coming. I had no idea. I I don't know. We're in Canada. We how we, how did you know? How did you know? Davy tells um, us. I mean, Davy knew, but uh, he's you know he's plugged in. I, in Canada, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I cannot imagine what that would be like. To just all of a sudden, Francis back. Yes, that, you had no idea. Literally, that's how I found out. Like he raced high point. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I think the big difference between media up there and here was the television. Were you yeah. getting? Were you able to watch the TV shows up there no. consistently or no? No. We got two races a year. We got Montreal Supercross in the fall on French yeah. TV, French Canadian, so we couldn't understand what the announcers were saying. And we got the oh. USGP from Carlsbad. Oh, my gosh. So in the 90s, you could not watch Supercross or Motocross on TV? No. You had to get like a bootleg video cassette from a oh. bot guy who had a satellite dish the size of a, of a VW bug. And that's wow. how you got the races. But I didn't know anybody who had one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they not only were the races on TV, but we had the show Moto World. Yeah. And uh, I remember, who knows, maybe this is maybe February or March of that year. And uh, Art Ekman, I believe, was the host of Moto World by that point. And I just remember him talking to somebody. It was maybe Art and Dave Despain. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what about these rumors that Damon Bradshaw might be <laughs> prepping for a comeback? And I'm like, effing what did they just say? Yeah. And then whoever it was, I think Despain is like, yeah, he's planning on coming back for High Point. He oh, wants, wow. He wants to get in this, shape. This, and I'm like, This was news in crap. February. Uh, yeah, this blew me away. Yeah, I believe, you know, the series starts in uh, Gainesville in March, right? I yeah. think it was known at Gainesville that Bradshaw wants a month or two and he will start racing at no, High Point. Yeah. I, I'm more blown away that he <laughs> – you just look at Cycle News yes. and Bradshaw's just in there. Yeah, like literally, like you're just like, what? And then I'm like, is he a factory? Is he racing the next week? Is he here to – like I – I, did he just come out on a weekend? Like, I had so, so many questions. I, I was blown away, you know, but, uh, yeah. So, wow. Um, um, okay, anyways. Hey, lost in history, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bradshaw comes back 95. It wasn't that good. It was his first race in almost two years. He's hurt. He doesn't race in 96. And to me, that is one of the greatest mysteries 
how would he have done in 96 at high point? Because in 93, he's pretty much sucking and like half retired at the end of 93, right? He's going to retire at yeah. the end of the season. Yeah, he's burnt out, season. right. But he just wins high point. He just wins it. Oh, so yeah. he was hurt in 96. I did not know this. Okay. Right. So like, this. I'm like, hey, he right. just wins high point 93, even in a terrible year. He's retired in 94. It's his first race back in 95. Would he have won in 96, even in dry conditions? We'll never know. And then in 97, he wins. Yeah. And I'm like, what would have happened if he raced in 96? So, uh, 97, you you go. You're finally oh, yeah. you're so off. I, you're I off. Finally, you're I finally off grounded. get the yeah. permission. Yeah. To I finally get the permission to drive because now I'm in college, so they can't stop me anymore. Yeah. So I finally get permission. And let me tell you something, Steve. I'm from New Jersey. We don't have mountains there. Yeah. That road driving into High Point. Is that even a road? Like what? I, don't know. I had never seen anything like that in my life, and uh, my truck was a stick shift. So driving up that road in the crazy ass traffic, I had never seen anything. Like, the road is a car and a half wide, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I had never experienced anything like that. But you know what my big regret is? <laughs> and you can start telling your stories here. Uh, I just thought it's a high point motocross race. You just you drive there Saturday afternoon. You watch practice. Yep. You leave. I, I was lucky. I had family about 45 minutes away in, in Fairmont, West Virginia. So I just stayed at their house. And then Sunday morning, I got up early and I went to the track and I watched the race. And I thought that I got the whole high point experience. I had no idea for years that the race afternoon was only half of the high point experience. I had no idea what yeah. I missed. Yeah, it, it was simply insane. It was, it was Memorial Day and it, it was jam packed. It was on races were on a Sunday back then. It was nutty. So. Did, was this like? Do you remember going to? So whenever you were now grown up and you were allowed to go wherever you wanted to go with your car, mm-hmm. do you remember yeah. going to more nationals than this, or was that this, this the start of it for you? Uh, yeah, well, that, my goal was to go to them all the time. So I finally went to this one, and that was awesome. And then they handed out a flyer for Bud's Creek, and I think we had rudimentary computers back then. Maybe you could map it. I don't know. Okay. I probably just had to look on a paper map. Yeah, and be like this Bud's Creek one that looks drivable. And I know Southwick's got to be driving. So ninety-seven, you were, went to a few of them then. Yeah, oh. yeah. And my parents were my parents were furious, furious. Because <laughs> I remember my mom saying, "My mom saying, man was not meant to drive those distances. You cannot drive five or six hours by yourself." And <laughs> what? Yes, that's what she. My mom never really cared about anything I did as a kid. Like they never cared about grades. Yep. They never cared about who I hung out with. They had no concern for my safety or well-being at all until the moment I got a driver's license and my mom was on I think she was on pills to get through it. She just assumed one of these days I'm dying in a car crash. So she would say like you don't understand, no person can drive 5 hours solo. These are mountainous roads. You will die. And I know I've won now because I had no idea at the time. Four years later, I would actually end up moving to Morgantown. Yeah, right? yeah. That drive that man is not meant to do between New Jersey and High Point, <laughs> I must have done it now 700 times. <laughs> and I'm good. Um, she never was a fan of Lewis and Clark then, I'm guessing? Never. That man was not meant to right. drive mountain roads. Right. To this day, we just were on vacation. I was. We drove from California to Lakewood, Colorado last week. My mom was with us. And she's like, what did I always tell you? Man is not meant to drive these kinds of roads. <laughs> It's very I'm odd. Like, where's your proof? Who's dead? <laughs> um, yeah. So ninety-seven high point was for you. Yeah, that was. Uh, it, was it was a kickoff, and, and I believe I had a red uh, Axo hat. You know, Bradshaw yeah. guy. Yeah, and I believe at one point I feel like I saw like red hat in the background on TV. I'm like, that's me. That's me. <laughs> I'm on TV. So who uh, knew? Do who you, knew? 
So I was 97. This was my yeah. second. So 96, I, I start working this, the Nationals for PJ1 Yamaha. And I worked for Keeney, and then I worked for Kalos. And then 97, I get a job with Ty Birdwell, a privateer guy from Oregon. And uh, we do all the Supercrosses and all the Nationals. So I'm uh, this is my second year. I'm a privateer mechanic for uh, Ty Birdwell. I'm loving it. Uh, Bradshaw is still. You're loving it. I'm loving it. Yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm living in a box fan, but I'm loving it. Um, oh, okay. Bradshaw, I remember at St. Louis that year. Bradshaw's not doing that well, right, at some point. He gets into it with Jeremy even at some point at some race. Um, and I'm co- totally conflicted at this point. Uh, and at St. <laughs> Louis, he gets into it with James Eichel, privateer guy, and they are mother effing each other inside the interior pits where we're all pitted, right? Because back then, factory guys and everybody pitted inside. And they are yelling at each other from across, like, the metal barriers, right? Like, I don't know, 30 feet difference or whatever between Bradshaw's pit and Eichel's pit. Something happened in practice. I don't know. Bradshaw grabs one of his boots and chucks it across, like, four or five pits at Eichel. And I'm just like, I'm like, yes, yes. This oh, because is, you're seeing it in person. Yes, yeah, I'm so stoked. He's throwing a boot, and they are yelling at each other. And I goes going, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. You know what I mean? And, and Brad, I just, and I'm just like, this is awesome. And Bradshaw throws his boot, and I don't even know if he ever got it back. I don't know how, I don't know what happened, but. I love it. So, I love it. so in the flesh, you're finally getting to see this Damon Bradshaw firing. Yes, you've always heard about. Yes, it. yes. So it was great. Um, so 97, I'm working for uh, Ty Birdwell at this race. Uh, it is a complete mutter. The second moto. So Weege, it's pouring. The second moto. You're out there. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, we'll get more into it as we go. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I was literally running the hillsides, and I don't know how. Like. <laughs> I have all these visions of like seeing this section of the track and that section of the yeah. track during that second moto, and I look back and I'm like, how in the hell did I get – if you've never been to High Point, everybody, yeah, the hills are friggin' steep. Yeah. Like, it's hard to get from one end of the track to the other, and it was obviously muddy. I don't know how, but did, I was so fired up. Did you have any friends or were you there by yourself? 100% by myself. I didn't know a single person that at that race. That is so dedicated. I love that. It's so gnarly. That's- Oh, yeah. But I don't know. Like, here you are saying, yeah, box fan life. Love it. Like, I'm like, dude, that sounds horrible. So you had to – I did look on the schedule here. There was a weekend off between Glen Helen and High Point. So you did not have to get from California to Pennsylvania in no, one week. No, I was okay for that. But I have a story about after this race. We'll get, I'll tell you in a little bit. Oh, but, oh but, okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, so um, that's awesome that you went there by yourself. So I, I stayed at the in the box fan either this year or the next year. I stayed at the track Saturday night. And they closed the pro pits off, you know what I mean? So uh, you couldn't really come and go. I, I, I left for a little bit early in the evening, and then I kind of got back once the pits were locked at some point. And, dude, I just saw fires on the hillside. I heard bombs all night. I I heard screaming. I heard yelling. Like a kid from Canada, I'm like, what is going – is this zombie la- – like is this now a zombie takeover? Like what is going on out there outside of these pits – what is happening? Because it was nuts. <laughs> Just nuts. So Bradshaw throwing his boot at Eichel is right. okay, but this is much. This was – I, I was – I couldn't sleep. You could not sleep in the van. It was just bang, boom, bang, boom, woo. <laughs> Uh, insane back then. Memorial Day weekend at High Point. Just uh, nuts. Yeah, it's every bit uh, of what Redbud is today. Now, I don't yeah. know what Redbud was like then. That was too far for me to go. But, I yeah. mean, I don't know if there was like we had two races like that. Yeah. Redbud crazy and High Point crazy. Yeah. I feel just, I don't know, what, what rudimentary of what I knew of the sport. I thought in the 90s, to me, High Point had become the one. 
I thought. I, I did too. The five yeah. I had. Yeah, I did too. I Red Bud has surpassed it, but at this time, yes. it was high point. It really was. Yes. Yeah, I, that I, was I the race that. of races. That was so, a crazy race. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, thanks to Liat for, for coming in. For noon 2021, Liat has introduced a completely redesigned helmet. The 9.5 carbon and 8.5 composite helmets incorporated with four densities of impact foam in five locations, as well as a ProFit comfort liner that stretches over your head to provide superior comfort and stability. So they got the helmet. It, uh, the Carbon One retails for $549.99, and you get a 6.5 goggle with the package. So really good deal from those guys. Uh, buy a helmet, get a pair of goggles. Uh, the goggle is uh, bulletproof. They can take impacts like no other, so that's pretty cool. They have outstanding clarity in all conditions. They got the flex slot boots. And again, the uh, Motor Concepts guys, Freeze, Bloss, McElrath, when he raced. Shane McElrath's year at, uh, at MCR will go down in the history of a Matt Moss type of year. I'm thinking about um, – I, I was feeling really bad for McElrath at one point, but I have a feeling two years, three years from now, this year will be referenced as, and remember how far down this guy was? And look at him now. I have a feeling that's the way this is going to turn out. Well, he wore Liat, he wore Liat this okay. year at the Motor Concepts, guys. Uh, so thanks to those guys for coming on board. Liat.com for more information. Thanks to the folks at Max's Tires. Uh, uh, Rod Bell, Smith, A-Ray, Jordan Jarvis, Max's Tires. Uh, used by Jeremy McGrath, who on this day went 4-10 on his RM250, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, developed by uh, Jeremy McGrath, the Maxxis Tires. So whether you're in the market for a mountain bike tire, a dirt bike tire, a light truck tire, a trailer tire, Maxxis.com for more information on that. And also, we each thank to the folks at Blenzall, right? I mean, they're, they're on board with the podcast. Thank you to Blenzall. And uh, if you want to play a little trivia game, uh, Michael Lessie, uh, Jerry Robin, uh, East Coast Privateer Hunter Slauger, now in 450s and motocross, they all have in common, Weege. Uh Staying in a Holiday Inn. No, Blenzall. Blenzol. Oh, okay. Uh, the number one brand when it comes to two-stroke oil also has top-level riders using Blenzol four-stroke engine. Make no mistake, nothing outperforms, out-lubricates, or smells better than Blenzol's full line of two-stroke and four-stroke products. They're absolutely crushing it, uh, doing a good job. And again, uh, like you always said in the Indies before, the Alessis aren't just going to use any oil. They're not. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, and I think Terry Varner uses this stuff too, right? Who's yeah. tied in. With the Alessis. So, yes, just let it be known. There is no way the Alessis are using, like, the third best stuff they could find. Right, right, exactly. No, never. Uh, and, of course, the, our buddy Walker Fowler, he is... Uh, well, he had a win streak, but it's over. Fowler's streak has started again? No, no. He, he Walker wins the opener every year. Yeah. But this year, yes. he got beat. Got it. By Bryson Neal. And then how is our buddy Bryson doing now uh, as they hit the summer break in GCC? Ah, man, I'm telling you, I'm bummed for Bryson. I think he just tore his ACL. <clears throat> he was giving Walker a pretty good run, which in uh, GNCC wood circles is practically unheard of. Right. But he switched to Blenzall. Switched to Blenzall. Stepped up the game. But uh, I think he just got hurt. So tough break for Bryson Neal. He was going for, going for a title this year. Blenzall.com. Follow them at, at Blenzall on Instagram. And if you want a two-stroke or a four-stroke oil package, use the contact form on pulpamex.com. Send us an email, and we'll give you uh, a set of oil to try it from the folks at Blenzol. So thank you to those guys for doing this. Um, okay, so Art Ekman, David Bailey, doing the, doing the commentary for this race. Uh, Davey Coombs, pit reporter. Whatever happened to Davey? I don't know. Yeah. Is he around? Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, so this is round four of the series. Uh, Jeff Emig leads McGrath by 36 points already. I kind of forgot that it was like – it was that big of a lead. Now, now as this, it's not this summer doesn't even count. If we tried to have any re-raceables from 1997 summer with McGrath, would he remember any of it? 
I don't think so, but I was going to say, so at this point, four rounds in, Jeremy's kind of giving it an effort. By, mid, by mid-year, he's mailing it in. <laughs> by mid-year. Okay. Uh, okay. Skip comes back. Uh, that doesn't seem to do anything, and Jeremy is probably havasuing it all week long and then showing up for the Nationals to fulfill his Suzuki deal. So. Yeah, there, was nev- there has never been a more understood, like, this guy's just not trying than, than McGrath in the summer of 97. He almost, on the Suzuki, not ready for prime time, almost pulls off the Supercross title. Yeah, yep. Emig edges him. And uh, I-, I feel like the going rate was, yeah, McGrath is just showing up because he has to. He is not trying. But you think maybe the beginning of the season he maybe I, thought, I, oh. I felt like he was. I don't know. Maybe okay. not. Um, I'll, I'll cut to the chase here and, and let you guys know in uh, spoiler alert here. My rider, Ty Birdwell, um, completes about a lap and a half all day long. Um, doesn't <laughs> He's not a mud rider. Um, I don't think he truly enjoyed getting dirty at all. Um, okay. So I prepped the bike and uh, first moto, I don't know, he pulls out couple laps in and second moto i do all the work for the second moto and i don't believe birdwell even made it a lap uh and so we were done uh so nothing eventful happened at this race for c Mathis slash ty birdwell uh besides me doing a lot of work for for nothing um i well, was it works out for the best because as we learn on these shows you were paying as much attention to the riders winning uh, as you were you, the guys you were working for i, I was i was this so at least true. you had Full focus. I was at a front row seat for this uh, for this race, <laughs> um, but nothing good happened for me and my rider. And I'll get to uh, actually what happened after the race later. Um, oh. So the, they interview the riders. So you heard that in the beginning of the show. Um, Ryan Hughes says he's a B plus mud rider, um, and, and, and Albie says hopefully he's a good mud rider. But he just came off two world championships, so I feel like he probably is a good mud rider. Albie is, um, but he's not that hopeful in the beginning. Um, okay, so. Uh, Rhino is not lacking in confidence. No, we, no. We it's, see it's here. odd. It's odd. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> hey, listen. Ryan Hughes from California, San Diego specifically, uh, crushes it and wins Moto1. And, and it's mm-hmm. it's muddy in Moto1. It's not the shitstorm it, it gets to be in Moto2. But good job to Ryan Hughes for winning Moto1. Uh, basically grabbed the lead early and, and never, never let off. Yeah, yeah. He did ride really well. And I look back at these series now. Uh, you know, we say it's hashtag deep field these days. But what's funny is you can look at all this in history and like, oh, in 97 and 96, that era, it was McGrath and Emig were the two best guys. But I remember thinking every week, and I don't know, maybe that's what fans do now. I don't know. But I feel like every week I'm like, Hughes is good. One of these weekends, Hughes is just going to start beating Emig. Damon Huffman's good. Uh, who, you, you go down the list. Like, I was waiting for Bradshaw to finally catch fire <clears throat> or Lusk or whoever else is in this field. I, I never realized... Maybe I should have. Like, is it the same thing the last five years? Like, ah, it's really just Tomac and Roxton are the two best guys. Well, I'm even thinking that all these other guys can win. Because I remember going, like, when Hughes won the first moto, I'm like, yeah, he's probably going to win a bunch of motos this year. Right, right. Well, he didn't. Bradshaw um, wins this overall. I'm like, ah, he'll probably win a bunch. But it was really just Emig. Really, yeah. uh, really odd that Dowdy, John Dowd, the mud rider, yeah. goes 2-6. He, he has a worse... Second moto when it's the track is at its worst, and you got to figure your money would be on John Dowd or Doug Henry to pull this thing through. Henry has a seventeen seven day on the four stroke, yeah. and Dowdy yeah. goes two six, so um, they're they're out of it. But yeah, I really thought same thing. I really thought Dowd would be the favorite, you know, even back then, and yeah. uh, even looking back at it now. And the crazy thing is, Dowd after this race just started going nuts. Do you remember this in the summer of ninety seven? Yeah, <laughs> like Dowd. <laughs> 
becomes Emig's chief challenger for the title and at times beats Emig straight up. And John Dowd is the best motocross rider in America, if not the world, on a handful of weekends in the summer of 97. First Moto 250s, Art says, our whole shooter. <laughs> like the guy who got the whole shot, he goes, our whole shooter. Okay. And, and I've never heard that term used before. <sighs> our whole shooter. Art. So, yeah, uh, shout out look, to Art. Still for- around. I, I know Art's still around. Our buddy Denny Hartwig, who used to do PR for Supercross, literally yesterday said, hey, I just talked to Art Ekman on the phone. So I know Art is still around in right. some capacity. Not announcing at the races, but Art's still around. Please don't use Can the term hole something? shooter uh, you know, ever again. Don't use the term hole shooter, Weege. Uh, don't use it? Okay. Can I just admit something yeah. here on this show? Yeah. I was never an Art Ekman fan. I'm sorry. I'm not. Like, I don't think he did a good job. The guy was around forever, and he would say things like that all the time. And I remember being mystified, saying, <laughs> how can you go to all these races for years and not have the terminology? Yeah. Like, it would always be what he was describing. Like, hole shooter is not wrong. It's just not the term you use. Yeah. Like, like uh, the guy that got the hole shot, I guess you could say is the hole shooter. But if you're around long enough, you just know you don't use that word. How I'm, did he miss this stuff? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it was a tough high point for Art. I'll get into a couple of other so. things. Uh, <laughs> at some point, Art Art goes. He would, he would. God, Steve. He would. A guy would make a pass on the inside, and he would say he got good torque out of that corner. And I'm like, that's not incorrect, but it's not the this, term you use. How does no one has ever said, man, he got good torque out of that corner? Has have you ever heard anyone say that? Bradshaw throws his goggles in this second moto. Art goes, why would he throw his goggles, David? <laughs> What do you think, Art? <laughs> you think he just threw them off because he could see perfectly? I don't need these goggles. I'm going to win. <laughs> Anyways. They, they, the editors there, they didn't do him any favors because he literally says, hey, now that it's raining more, it's probably going to improve the vision. And then literally Bradshaw pulls the goggles one second after he says that. And, and David just goes, he probably can't see Art or something. <laughs> He does. Well, he literally can't see at all, so that's probably why. Uh, Art goes, uh, David, uh, where would you try to pass? And David just goes, I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> it's... I mean, it was, I mean, this is right. right up there. I don't know if we've explained this enough. I mean, the the first moto, like you said, it's muddy. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Second moto, it... the sky's just completely oh. unleashed. I remember being there. They tried, you know. They were pushing dirt off all day to try to find dry ground. And then at some point in that second moto, it was just like, we're done. Yeah. There's nothing that can be done. Yeah, it, it was and, bad uh, second moto. I remember well, that. What I'm getting at is this is one of the all the, – the big story is Bradshaw wins. But as far as mud races go, this is right up there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and and, and we're going to have Damon Bradshaw and Davey Coombs on the show yes. talking about yes. this. So yes. Davey's once again the pit reporter uh, yeah. for another one of these yeah. races that we do. He, he is there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And and, and Damon, of course, uh, is great. We, we love having Damon on. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bailey says that Atlanta Supercross was one of the craziest mutters he's ever seen. Uh, Hannah won. I don't. I'm kind of a student of the sport. I never went back and looked. I don't know which one he's talking about because Atlanta Bomber won a real bad one in the mud uh, back in the day. Um, but I don't know which one he won. But Bailey said that you know that was craziest one he's ever seen with Bob Hanna winning. So um, yeah, it was it was uh, if it's if, if Bailey says it, he's been around a little bit. Um, shout out to Jersey Zone Mike Rossini, shown in the mechanics area behind Davey. Oh, oh yeah, oh. just standing there. Timmy guy, probably working for Ty Wallace at this point. Oh, um, oh Ty Wallace. 
really Barry Carson's all-time rival, the the Carson Wallace. I oh, mean, it's, it's still it's still it's still talked about. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Still, you you can take your you can take your Wardy and RJ. You can take your Ryan Villapoto, mm-hmm. Ryan Dungey. You could take Reed Stu, whatever you want. Yeah, it doesn't match up to the amount of motos that Barry Carson and Ty Wallace have battled. No, no, absolutely yeah. not. And still yeah. whispered about um, a lot. Yes. So, um, yeah. so we have Rock, Mike Rossini siding in there. Uh, Bradshaw's old mechanic. I forget his name now, this gentleman. Um, but this was a funny story. So my buddy Paul Deloria, Canadian guy, he is uh, uh, a mechanic for Armor Radio and Demand and, and, and Rossini, speaking of Rossini, for years, right? And he's he's the mechanic when Armor Radio and the man start fighting at Washougal. The, 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 him and Alan Brown are the two mechanics, so they're, oh, okay. the teammates are fighting. So <laughs> Paul, the team breaks up or whatever. Uh, Paul becomes a truck driver for Manchester Honda, um, oh. and not a mechanic anymore. And Alan Brown goes to work for KTM for the KJSCs. He goes from a race team to the, managing the fifties, right? Okay. So they are basically kind of done as race bike mechanics. So Paul Deloria is driving Bradshaw's truck. I think he knew Ziggy somehow or whatever. And Bradshaw's got a buddy of his uh, from North Carolina, I believe, wrenching for him. Shortly after this race, Paul and the mechanic go out riding. And this was my joke to Paul for years. Okay. Paul's behind the dude. Paul's a really good racer. He was a top Canadian pro back in the day. Good, 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 good Canadian pro. Good rider. Oh, okay. Paul's behind the dude. Pressuring him, the dude goes over the bars and breaks his femur. <laughs> Paul becomes Damon's mechanic and literally starts again because then he gets hired by Ziggy to be LaRocco's guy in 98. Yeah. And Paul. Yeah, he goes on to a fantastic career. A fantastic as a, as, career. Yeah, and, with uh, Reed and Stu at LM. Uh, yeah, uh, Alessi at KTM. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I always tell Paul. You just pressured the guy to break his femur to get back into the sport as a mechanic. That's that's my that's my gig for Paul Deloria. So it's oh, good. The the poor guy, whoever the guy was, Bradshaw's buddy, like just out of it now, right? Just like oh god. But for this race, he's there. Wow, I did not know. I, I assumed Deloria was Bradshaw's mechanic already. I didn't no, know no, not at this point. The original mechanic wanted it. Yes, yeah. So we we like to bug Paul about that whenever we see him. So. You th- how do you think uh, race teams these days feel about the two staff members they have, the truck driver and mechanic? This is all we got. Yeah, yeah, this we is got it. a rider, yeah, yeah. truck driver, and mechanic. Yeah, go ride. Yeah, yeah, go, go ride. Right, exactly. So probably riding the race bikes back then. Probably riding probably. the race bikes. Um, hey, so a couple things, too, with the broadcast. Uh, they have a flashback um, in the broadcast <laughs> yes. to 1984, High Point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why can't we see these races? Like, I've never seen... 84 series. Like, I've never... They're just gone. 84, 250s, Dogger, and Johnson go go for the title. Johnson wins it. Um, I've never seen an 84 Outdoor National 250 class. Well, here's my guess. Um, I think what you're seeing there is... So, again, this Moto World show, and you got totally screwed that Moto World didn't play in Canada. Right. The, I don't think these races were on TV in entirety, ever. Oh. I think it was like Moto World would send one camera guy... And then Larry Myers, who was already announcing at the race, probably did some on-camera stuff. So I think what you saw there, that three-minute clip, is all that they ever had. Um, okay. Could, all right. Yeah, because well. Moto World was like a ESPN Sports Center type show, but with motorcycle racing. So that's how you'd watch. It'd be like, let's get to the highlights from High Point 84. And then you'd see three minutes of racing. 
And that was probably all that and existed. And that was it. Okay, because I, yeah. I literally was seeing images I've never seen before. And, and by the way, uh, yeah. a, a little dusty at High Point in 84. Just a little dusty. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just baked. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, so that's the stuff where I'm just like, I want to see more of 84 250 Nationals, right? But you know. Yeah, I know this is not about the 84 series, just pod. But uh, a couple things. Um, I did not know... Okay, the bomber is a dominant 125 guy. Yeah, Suzuki, I, I don't right? want to talk about this a little bit, but go well, ahead. Well, he finally gets a shot. I didn't realize this. So Suzuki did give him one year outdoors. Like, one on year outdoors, yeah. yeah. But is, Suzuki had turned to suckiness at that point, <laughs> He right? did. As a Suzuki guy, you know this. You know this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, as we talked about in one of these shows previously, I couldn't understand that Suzuki at one point was like the powerhouse. Yeah. Because in the late 80s, Suzuki was like a joke. Right. But, you know, in the Howerton bomber days, let alone the DeCoster days, they were dominant. So in this high point, 84, like, Bomber's good. Yeah, his bike broke both motos. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag Suzuki. Riding off. Hashtag Suzuki. Riding off with the rear right. full floater. Not, yeah. No longer floating. Not a whole shooting at all. <laughs> not whole shooting. No. His full floater rear suspension <laughs> is not floating. <laughs> not it floating. collapsed. Right. So, and also, uh, could you take us through the battle for the win there and what happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Dogger, Dogger's in there, right? He's a factory Honda guy. RJ's riding a production piece of crap YZ250. Yeah. And, and, and Dogger goes flying by with a textbook-style pass on the outside of RJ. It looks amazing and takes the yeah. lead. And then somehow, late in the moto, they say, Ronnie, Ronnie, you know, just kind of wore out. And, uh, and RJ yeah. got him. It's yeah. shocking. Shocking. I think he faded yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine that. Uh, RJ got the win. But, yeah, yep. great yep. great flashback. So, um, okay, first moto, not that bad. Rhino wins. Dowd second. Bradshaw third. Um, McGrath fourth. So, you know, whatever. Fro was uh, sixth, so Jeremy made up some points on him a little bit there. Um, and then, uh, this, like you said, second moto, the reins come. Larry Ward leads the whole thing. Uh, Honda Troy, Larry Ward. Shout out to Marshall Plum, Canadian, for getting a uh, an interview um, uh, in there as well. Um, and then, uh, dude, Bradshaw throws his goggles off, like we said. Art makes that mention. And Bradshaw is coming. And I didn't realize – so I'm in the mechanics area. My rider pulled off at this point. I'm just watching, and it's raining, and I'm just watching, getting roosted. and It doesn't even matter. I don't care because this is a great race. And uh, Bradshaw's coming. Bradshaw gets him. With the same spot where he got Fro and someone else in the first moto. Uh, he passes Fro and Rhino. Yeah, same spot. To get from fourth to second. And then I guess he even gets Ward. Wait, is that second moto spot. or is that first moto that he uses that line? Second moto? It's all second moto. Oh, it's all second, all second moto. moto. So Bradshaw yeah. has this spot uh, coming up the hill in the back, I believe. And he's making the moves. And then he actually gets Larry, I don't know, maybe three, four, five laps to go. Um, and then Larry gets him back. I didn't realize that. Upon not yeah, watching, I it. never saw that, yeah. and uh, we discussed this with Bradshaw. The back then, High Point was like woods; like you really could not see a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I'm running from hillside to hillside to try to catch all this, but I had no idea at one point he'd already taken the lead, and then the line he used was good at the beginning, and then he starts sliding and can barely get up the hill. Yep. And Ward rides right by him again. And the crowd is going nuts. Uh, you were there; I was there. They yeah. wanted Damon Bradshaw to win, and it was really cool to be there. Yeah, yeah, poor Larry Ward. No one wanted Larry. Like, please, Larry Ward, drown out, crash, or something. <laughs> yeah. Do something bad. Yep. Uh, and Bradshaw, Ward's lead was ridiculously big at one point. Yeah. Because I remember Bradshaw, now it's raining, and I think the crowd starts sensing 
hey, wait a minute. If he makes one more pass, he wins the overall. And the track is getting super bad now, so I think most guys are in survival mode. And you could tell Bradshaw's like, wait a minute, this is my shot. And he starts um, turning it up. But it took forever to finally catch this dude. He was so far back. Like, Larry Ward's first 15 minutes of this moto must have been phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't remember. Gone. I was there, but I don't remember it. But, yeah, he was gone. Right. Um, and then Bradshaw yeah. just slowly gets him, slowly reels him in. The crowd's going nuts. He gets him. Briefly, Larry gets him back. And then I also didn't realize. So Damon pins it by the, the, the Bradshaw Boulevard, that's called. Comes down the step up, step down. Comes around and takes an inside line going up to the triple. They were only doubling it on this day. Most guys, some, most guys weren't even doubling it. Uh, I remember that. And Bradshaw just absolutely, like, dude, they might have both gone down because Damon wasn't shutting off. And probably couldn't see because <laughs> walls of water. Probably right? couldn't see. Yeah. And he's lucky that they both didn't go down there because he was pinning it. Um, and I didn't realize we, this was the last lap. Again, I knew it was near the end. I did yes. not know this was the last lap of the race for the overall. I, I am right there with you, and I watched it back, and uh, Art says, you know, a last lap pass. I'm like, wait, what? And then I went back, and I, yeah, this is one of these things, right? In my memory, I knew late in the race he got him, and then he pulled away. I didn't know it was the last lap. Like, yeah. this came this close yeah. to not happening. Because Rhino had the overall with a 1-3. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. So if he doesn't pass him in, like, the one spot he could have, how does this change? Like, hey, remember that day Bradshaw had an awesome ride and he came from behind and he went 3-2 and got to second overall? <laughs> nobody nobody talks about it. Nobody no. talks about it. No. Yeah. No, it's like uh, these you know, playoff games in whatever sport you follow mm -hmm. or basketball. It's like this one shot does either go in or out and it completely changes the entire history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't. There's one less lap in this race. It's just good job, Ryan Hughes. Yep. You went one, th or one three and you won the overall. Uh, absolutely. It's an epic race. It's talked about to this day. And it's because on the last lap, what Bradshaw did. And, dude, the the, the crowd, You could, at one point, a lady is just screaming. She's not screaming anything, but just screaming like she's getting murdered. <laughs> and her voice is gone. And it's just because Damon's going by. You can hear yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, nuts. I, I mean, the TV show, you can find this. Just type in High Point 1997. It's actually our buddy Blazer, I think. That's his uh, account that has it posted, right? Um, and, I mean, to TV is so rudimentary back then. Like, these are not HD cameras. No. I think it, I think it's just guys walking with cameras, and they take all the tapes and edit them together in Atlanta a couple days later. Yep. So what I'm getting at here is the TV technology is so bad, but you could still get that sense of the crowd. The crowd is so loud. At that point, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's nutty. It's it's really really yeah. cool to see. You um, have two strokes pinned in mud yeah. and crowd over that. Yeah, it again. Uh, so I was down in the mechanics area, and as I told Damon, we're going to get to his interview right away here at the Lee at Reraceables. I don't these these races. They just they just kind of go on twenty five years now for me. Tortelli's ride at ninety nine. The show we the last show we did is one that I will never forget, and I will never forget. I was. 30, 40 feet away from Bradshaw passing Larry up that hill. Oh, yeah. On the last lap now, apparently, which I didn't remember that. But And I remember, like, just the eruption of the crowd and getting some chills. And it's a moment that I'll never forget. I was standing right there. I'm like, look at this dude. No goggles on, going for it. And just I can picture it like it was yesterday. It, it really can. It's one of those moments for me. Just there's different things along the way. And, uh, and you know, Timmy leading – Timmy passing McGrath – at a heat race in or in Tampa, ninety nine, like again, 
I can picture myself <laughs> there. Uh, just flashes, and that's one of them. This is one of those moments. It really is. It was so, so cool to be there. Yes, I, I agree. The whole day is like that for me. Like, there's just so many things I remember. I remember even getting out of the parking lot, like, hours later. It was so freaking muddy. Um, and I couldn't believe that I finally got to go to this race, and it turns out to be the most epic result. And even the conditions, you know, we, we talked to Davey later. I don't know the ins and outs of promoting a race back then. I thought it was awesome. Right. You know, I guess a mud race sucks if you're the one, like, operating it. Yep. But I thought that just made it more cool. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. 2000 High Point, you know, Kelly Smith wins the damn thing, and I'm his mechanic. It's just like, wow, right? Just a horrible day. So much work as a mechanic, but I don't remember any of that because Kelly Smith won, right? So, oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, um, if, it, if it goes right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this was, yeah, as far as mud races go, all time. And the only disappointment I have is I remember all year – There'd occasionally be Bradshaw interviews and stuff, and he's just like, I'm just lacking that little bit of confidence. If I could just have one day, you know, and get that boost. And I was like, this was it. Yeah. This is the boost. Yeah. And um, I think the very next race was Bud's Creek, and he, like, went down on the first turn, and no, it didn't yeah. It didn't turn into anything. Um, also, too, uh, I walked back to my truck, box van. My rider was probably gone. I don't remember. Uh, Ty Birdwell, not, not a mud rider. Um, and I lost my shoe. And it was gone. It was a, probably a DC skate shoe, knowing me back oh, then. Yeah, great for mud. Yeah, and, and dude, it's gone. It was. I walked back with one shoe all the way back, mud, just walking in mud, water, just getting soaked. And I just was like, because I look back and the shoe's gone because you already take that step, right? You st- take that step in the mud and you can't go back. And so <laughs> shout out to my shoe that I lost walking back to the truck after that second moto. I didn't even care. It didn't matter. I was walking on air with Bradshaw's win. So, um, so you're walking in a sock in the mud. Yeah. Oh wow! Um, let's uh, let's talk to Damon. Let's do that, shall we? Yeah. Uh, here, Lee at Reraceables, uh, ninety-seven High Point. Let's talk to the man himself, Damon Bradshaw. All right, everybody. We can't do nineteen ninety-seven High Point on the Lee at Reraceables without talking to this man because uh, he was the story of the day, the beast from the east, Damon Bradshaw. Damon, what's up, man? Thank you for joining us and uh, recapping this race. Yeah, it's uh, it's always cool to. To, I guess remember some of those good times and especially Mount Morris I that was one of the places that I looked uh, most of going you know throughout the national season just because it was seven eight hours from home and mm-hmm. the crowd there was like uh, you know it was like Unadilla for me so I I to, and, and to be able to put that together in 97 was just I mean it was one of the funnest years of my of my career. You went 3-1 on the day. First moto, not so bad with the mud. I mean, it was a mud race, but the, the second moto, Damon, it was pouring. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's, I don't remember uh, – I didn't remember much about the first moto. Why, I, I, I don't really know. I remember more about the second moto, just yeah. knowing that I didn't have goggles on, and I knew I had several guys that I, that I had to pass, and uh, – you know, you'd close your eyes to you could try to make the pass because the water was splashing so bad. It was, yeah. it, I don't even know how my eyes survived that because I'm pretty sure I was a long time without goggles. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, in the rank of mud races that you've raced, where does this one rank? I mean, all time, like that second moto was just a disaster as Weege and I recover. Did you have a worse one than this? Um, the only one I could think of more water would have been uh, – would have been Sacramento, yeah, ninety-one the one year where everybody yeah. where everybody's bike quit. Um, uh, uh, 
as far as mud goes, yes. Um, Sacramento probably had more water because we have, were crossing rivers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, and and not a very good day for you know five or six top guys. But right. um, but yeah, no. I mean, it just it was one of those things to where, and I and I don't like mud. I still hate mud to this day. If it's too muddy, I won't ride. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I I was able to do well in the mud and. And, uh, you know, I didn't, it's not like I really grew up racing in the mud. I mean, obviously I spent many Loretta lands, you know, in the mud and, Mm -hmm. and living on the East coast. Yeah. You had to race in it, but it wasn't something that, uh, that I like to do or that I ever prayed for rain. I much rather it be, uh, 75, 80 degrees in sunshine on a day of a national. (laughs) You know, I'll, I'll let we just jump in after this. It's funny. You, I was at 97 high point, as I talked about earlier and, you just, you know, we did one of these on Sebastian Tortelli, 1999 Glen Helen, the other day, or the other week, and as a mechanic, the races, and as a media guy, the races just, they just click by, right? This is literally almost my 30th year of going to these dumb things, right? But you, you have snapshots. You have snapshots in time, and, and, it, and there, I can remember it like it was yesterday of certain moments, and I, and, I, and I kid you not, Damon, you coming up the hill and passing Larry in the mud in 97 i was in the mechanics area the crowd was going bonkers you got larry up the hill uh by the triple and like i just remember it like it was yesterday it was a special like you're just like look at this this is so cool the fans are you know they're all damon bradshaw fans and, and they're freaking out and i yeah just one of those moments i'll always remember i just pictured it and looked around and was like this is cool yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely one of the most memorable moments um, in my career, and, and especially, um, you know, having Jim Hale a part of it, um, uh-huh. you know, putting that team together. <clears throat> Sorry. But, um, you know, and then, and then the Manchester Honda team, and, and just that particular year was so much fun because Jim was like, you know, I, I don't really care how we do. He goes, I really don't. He goes, to, to see you smile and for everybody here smiling, mm-hmm. this team, and, and it was. It was just a year that I would never forget. Obviously, you know, results weren't the greatest, but, but we won high point. And, um, <laughs> you, you know, and unfortunately we didn't get to put, the, you know, put that deal together again for, for 98. It just it didn't come together and, right. and make sense um, for me me or, or Jim. But, you know, that, that one sticks out. I mean, I, I – and one thing that I I don't know if maybe I talked about this um, a, f- a few weeks ago, but my wife was on top of uh, our rig, and the Yamaha rig was parked like right next to us, mm-hmm. and so McCarty and those guys were on top of it, and I think it was before the moto was over. Okay, and I don't know if it was when I was coming towards the front or whatever, but. Uh, McCarty hollered at my wife and held up a payday candy bar. Ah. You know, <laughs> so and it was it was you know it was really funny. And then yeah, after yeah. the race, she 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 told me that, and I was like, oh, that's that's you know that's pretty cool because obviously the way I left Yamaha '96 was right. not, not the greatest, and uh, right, it was right. you know, but in 2000, 2000, 2001, that that obviously turned around. We put together the the arena cross team, but, yeah. but no, that year, just with everybody that came on board, I mean, initially um, we didn't really have any Honda help, but after, you know, a couple of rounds, they could see, I think that, that we had potential and, and that the team was, um, was legit and they started helping us. So we got, you know, we did have some, some better parts and, uh, but it was just one of those, you know, again, that year was the bike that the Honda that nobody wanted to ride. And I was always up for that. 
um, very similar to the year I rode the YZ490, you know, it's, yeah. or the WR490 yeah. at that time. So that's kind of um, that year just, you know, I've always said that I remember bits and pieces of my career. I always remember the end very well in the beginning, but that 97 was just, like you said, it was one that will stick stick always. In this moto, the crowd starts going nuts. I was one of the people in the crowd just getting rained on and thinking this would be amazing. And it's like at some point you're like third or fourth, and then you have to get around Emig and um, Hughes. And it's like, wait, if he were to catch Larry Ward, he would actually win the overall. And it's like I remember this like collective feeling of like, oh, my God, wait a minute, Bradshaw might win. And then the crowd starts going nuts. And then you did start catching him. Did you, were you, I, I'm sure you were here in the crowd. Was that helping? Because oh, as the crowd, sensed, I, I, it was almost absolutely. like you started getting better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Always. Um, you know, that was a big driving factor for me. I mean, even when we would go to a supercross and we'd be in California and I felt like I didn't have those fans that I wanted on my side. I was like, okay, what can I do today? What can I say? How can I, what can I do to recover, you know, these fans? And, and Mount Morris was just, one of those I didn't have to work very hard at. And, and for sure, I mean, because I had to dig deep that day, not only the mud, but not having goggles on. And, you know, and, and it was it was super gnarly. But, again, and then to do the, the parade lap, you know, at the end of the race and yeah. celebrate with, with the fans, is that's irreplaceable. Um, you know, I wish, we, I wish we saw more of that today. Wasn't it an ad, the, the parade lap, you with no shirt on? Wasn't it an ad or yeah, something? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it was an actual <laughs> Maybe an actual it was just a photo. Or, right, right. Yeah, but I, I, I do remember that. But, no, the, and, and that was – that particular race was the only really good Jeremy McGrath story that I had, and I've, I've brought it up to him several times and talked about it in interviews just because uh, when I was coming around to lap him, he was trying to pick up his bike. And it was a longer straightaway, so I got a view of it a couple of times. <laughs> I've been picking the bike up and slipping back down and picking it back up. And I'm just thinking, this this just adds to the day that I'm lapping Jeremy. Yeah. And he's trying to pick his bike up. I knew he didn't like mud. But, uh, yeah, that's my only good good Damon Bradshaw, Jeremy McGrath story, other than, you know, him mm-hmm. kicking plenty of ass the, the year before. <laughs> um, with that, okay. Oh, you know, you can still go back and watch it on TV, and even your TV interview being mobbed by fans. Yeah, and it, I'm sure it went on for a while. But look, High Point was crazy. The 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 nights at the track those days. Do you remember like how you eventually got out of there? Like how long you were there? Like how long did uh, ho- the celebration go on? Hold on, Weech. I have my own oh. part of this because oh. so my rider oh, okay. sucks. He DNFs. Whatever. Box fan is my box fan is stuck. Right. I can't get out. Of, I can't get out of where okay. I'm pitted. I'm just mm-hmm. sitting there going, you know, fuck my life. And I look over, and there's a rental car going wide open in the re- rental car parking, doing donuts, throwing mud everywhere, wide open, screaming. And I'm just like, what the hell? And it's Damon. So I don't know what to- when that was, Damon. Like, I don't know how long after the race that was, but I'm like, yeah, well, the guy just fucking won. I, I, you know, I'll give it to him. But, hey, can you give me a toe? Can you give me a toe out of here? But, yeah, that's, that's what I remember after the race. You know, I am sure that I was there till the last, till the last person. Um, yeah. That was always for me for for Mount Morris. Even though I, you know, the the years that I was able to do well there, I, I wanted to give back to the fans. But I also was thinking, you know, I I can I can make it home tonight. I can actually make it home tonight and and be on the lake tomorrow. 
because it was close enough to home and I didn't have that many races that was that way. But mm-hmm. that day was, was definitely a, a celebration. And, and the, I, I think I'm pretty sure I always kind of did that at Mount Morris just because those people were so good to me and they were so diehard. I mean, it wasn't that year. Um, and I've probably talked about this before, but one that sticks in my head was, was uh, a guy come up to the truck after press day mm-hmm. there one year and he had a big stein, like a big, like, I don't know, a big stein with the flapper valve on top, you know, for a beer mug. <laughs> and already had been camping for a couple of days, he, he looked like. And he uh, he was asking for something. And, and Lunas threw him a dirty air filter. And he put that air filter on his head. And he had that... He had that dirty filter on his head the day after the national. He came back over several times, and when I was signing and with the people after the race was over, he came back over and still had that filter on his head and that beer mug. <laughs> was it Weech? Was it Weech? <laughs> I would do it. I don't, I, would do it. I don't think so. <laughs> that dude no. had a little age on Weech, but okay. damn, he was having a good time that weekend. Uh, do you remember doing the donuts in the rental car afterwards in the, in the lot? I no, not really. Okay. I did All that right. so many times, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, but and 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 especially came after you know winning because you felt like shit. Yeah. I could total this thing and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was it was cool. What was your bonus? Do you remember? Like, did you get a you had a Honda bonus program? Um, do um I don't. Yeah, I mean, I did, but yep. it was. I mean, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. you know, right. it was okay. I don't remember the numbers, um, um, but I but I know that Honda did pay. You know, some, but. It wasn't, you know, and, uh, and honestly, it, it didn't really it didn't really matter that day. In, right. in order to be the team that we were and more or less a, a privateer team and then to, you know, to be able to win and then have McCarty at his payday candy yeah. bar was, was, pretty, <laughs> was pretty special. Uh, funny, funny story for, for – so obviously Yamaha let you go at the end of 96, like you mentioned. You'd had a great race. They kind of told you you were going to stay on and they let you go and – and uh, so yep. you went to Japan. This this race is on YouTube, actually, if people want to look it up. I think it's on YouTube. I watched it. You go to Japan. You but you had a 96 CR. You go to Japan with, like, a pipe and bars and whatever, and you, you win, right? You win the – or you get – you lead for a long time in nine, at the end of 96? I, I led till one or two corners before the finish, and – and uh, Albertine took me down. Right. Okay. So you're, yep. you know, basically on a production bike. You're like, hey, this '96 Honda is pretty good. If I race in '97, oh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride Honda. And then they have a brand new aluminum frame bike that you, like you mentioned, nobody wanted to ride. And you're like, oh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, it was, a, it was a, yeah, it was a very, very good bike. And I got to ride it a couple of races in Europe. And, yeah. And, uh, and and never had the opportunity before, but yeah, it was that was a well many years even that year and prior years before that you right. know during Jeremy's time I think that bike was just uh, it was it was great. Your uh, your last win in America, Damon, uh, ninety seven high point too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the last one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's a significant too. I didn't think about that, but yeah, that's uh, again it just adds to it. I mean the photos pop up every once in a while and you you reminisce about it and. And um, and Weege, how have, good Weege, how good was ten Honda Axo gear? Like this was pinnacle. It just it Damon looked so good. It just was a yeah, well, great look. Good. Yeah, 
And it still would. Yeah, now. you guys had it dialed. Axo always had it mm-hmm. dialed in that era. They couldn't make something look bad. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> no. 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 It might have weighed five, six pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know the jer- the jersey alone. But I, yeah. it's funny. I like those jerseys because they had a hell of a lot more protection than jerseys do these days. Yeah. Really. Right. Mm. Yeah, um, good point. Yeah. I and the roost switched, didn't hurt yeah. near as bad. Well, obviously it wasn't four fifty roost, but the roost didn't hurt as bad in those jerseys either. Oh, it's like built-in chest pro. Yeah, I remember, yeah, uh, look, I was a Bradshaw fan, not apologizing for that. And, you know, (laughs) I assumed in 96 when you came back full-time that you were just going to dominate. And it was a good season, but unfortunately, Damon, you did not. You didn't win nine Supercrosses that year. And then, for some reason, those international races, when you jumped on a Honda, ESPN had them on TV. And I remember you hauling ass and thinking like, oh, my God, okay, now we're going to get it. Now we're going to get it. So, when you're on that 96 Honda and you were really doing well in those internationals before you got in the aluminum frame one, were you thinking like, wait, this could really be something here? Were like, were you thinking 97 could be a really good year on that Honda? Um, I, I probably already knew at that point what was coming. I, I don't know if I did or not, to be honest. And okay. I, I don't know that I had, um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we already knew what was coming, but I was like, okay. damn, I wonder if there's any way I can ride this. I could care less if it's a year old, you know, or, or yeah. whatever. But obviously that, that, that wasn't an option. But, no, it was. I mean, 97 or 96, you know, for me on the Yamaha was, was a tough year. I mean, I just don't think the bike was, you know, was, was up to par or whether it was me and my testing ability. But the guys worked their ass off to give me the best bike they could. And, um it, but you know, there's there's years through my whole career that I've talked about several times that that we had a great bike and and years that the bike wasn't you know the best bike and you knew that but I used it as motivation for me I'm like you know I, that makes it that much worthwhile when I kick these guys ass and I know that you know my bike is not up to that and so mm-hmm. I, I didn't use it to, to hurt me I used it to to help me and and we tested a lot I mean those guys were hardcore serious about testing and making that bike better and and um you know we tried so when i got to do that in europe and ride that bike it was something new you know so, and, and that's the reason i've talked about it several times and it and it wasn't that i ever wanted to leave yamaha because they were family i just think that sometimes a change mm-hmm. whether it's a better bike or a lesser bike or different team or better team or whatever that change can help a guy because it puts you almost into an uncomfortable zone, I think. And that was my thing with Yamaha was I was super comfortable there, not to the point that I didn't have to work hard and it wouldn't matter. They, they wouldn't tolerate that. But I think we see it nowadays in some riders when they've been somewhere for so long and they make a change and it's a different guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so wait, I mean, you could, could you have gone back to Yamaha 97 or is that <laughs> offer no, no longer on the table? No, no, no. They fired me. Oh, they, did they you have a fired me after deal? Like you had a deal? Um, what's that? No. I, so my deal in '96, like I told you, yeah. I was told that they were going to renew my contract, and gotcha. you know the results weren't that great that year, but things were looking better as as the season neared the end. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm good with the numbers. Let's just roll right into '97. And mm-hmm. I don't know, two or three weeks later, McCarty calls me Monday after probably one of my best rides of the season at Washougal and says, Hey, they've decided not to renew your contract. And I'm wow. like, well, well, what happened? What did I do? Who did mm-hmm. I piss off or what? And really no explanation. Not that I 
whether he didn't want to tell me. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I still don't know to this day. I have a feeling I know, but I still honestly don't know. So, yeah, that wasn't an option um, for 97, which, you know, now that I look back on it, I, I was pissed off, really pissed off for probably an hour. <laughs> and my first, phone, my first phone call was Bob Hanna. And, you know, we BSed about it a little bit and, and really came up with the plan of, of calling Jim and trying to put together a team. And I, my, my, next, my second phone call was Jim Hale, and then it yeah. moved forward from there. So, yeah, so you were motivated honestly, for 97. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad now that I had the opportunity to, to work with Jim on a different, you know, different, uh, different way mm-hmm. and putting together that team, all the people that came together to do it. So it was an experience, and it was really cool after it was all said and done. So if I would have rode Yamahas in 97, um, I, you know, it would have been another year with Yamaha. So I think to me that was another point in my career that that really stands out of of riding that bike that year and you know with Jim and and Manchester Honda and I just think it was one of those kind of cool deals that has good stories today. Yeah, what a what a guy the late Jim Hale. I got to know him late in his life. He lived here in Vegas and uh the nicest guy and what an empire he built and, and mechanics where lives on strong, right? Um and just yes, just a yes. hell of a guy. Just really seemed like the yep, nicest yep. dude ever. Yep, always was smiling, and and now it you know it sounds like the family and his kids and and uh, everybody are doing a great job. Um, fitting weed. You know that, that's funny. Oh, hey, I was going to ask that team. It's funny. Like Ziggy from Factory Connection was involved with that Manchester Honda program yes, that you have, yes, right? Yes, yes. And I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't say that. It's like some of these older interviews, man. I I, I forget people that that really meant a lot and yes and he did have a a part in that team well yeah yeah the only reason i bring that up is because like so the next year larocco kind of has a team with ziggy and that becomes what is the geico honda team that was around for 20 plus years so your team was now ziggy says now with the team we had really started the next year with larocco but your team was kind of a little bit like a forerunner of the geico honda team yeah i honestly don't think um that they had any skin in the game money wise. Um I, I don't I don't think so. Um I could be wrong. But you know, just yeah, Ziggy said it really I mean, that was the, the first year. year. Mm-hmm. And and I think at that time Factory Connection was relatively small, right? I mean we I mean Probably. there wasn't that many suspension companies out there at that time. Yeah. And, and I had never been knew even that concept. That, the, yeah, the concept of the team. Yeah, the concept of a of a guy building his own team. Definitely kind of new right. when you did it, yeah. Right, 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 exactly. So, again, I just think it was one of those, you know, deals because, I mean, I still refer back to, you know, during my time that there was four major manufacturers, right? If you weren't a part of one of those, you really weren't making a living. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could make, you could make it to events and make some money, but you weren't making, you know, so there was no outside teams, nothing like what we have now, which I think is great because it gives kids and mm-hmm. riders a lot more opportunities, whether, you know, it's their first couple of years and then they end up. But, yeah, I mean, there just wasn't. Uh, Lee, you know, Lee, and the yeah. didn't even have that many guys on them, right? There's four, five, four guys, yeah. three guys on a team or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Lee at Reraceables with Damon Bradshaw. Uh, Weege, it was fitting that Damon's last win comes at High Point, too, because 
the battles with six time uh, at at high point, and and for all the reasons Damon mentioned, pretty pretty fitting that the last win comes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to be heading out to Stanton Country uh, the first of October to do um, one of his adventure tours with him. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. yeah, yeah. So it's nice. cool. I'm going to take my uh, my Yamaha 700 Tenery out there and and do a three or four day ride with him and and uh, five other five other people. Awesome. Uh, so, oh, so yeah, good times. That'll be cool. I can't, I can't, I can't wait to be dicing big bikes with Stanton. That's going to be cool. Yeah, yeah. Make sure, yeah, make sure you put an elbow in on them, like for old times' sake. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be hard to get your elbows to him because the bikes are so wide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> anything else, Weege, for Damon? Well, you you tied in there, Steve, with how like Bradshaw and High Point go together. Yeah. I don't even know when did they decide to start naming the section, which unfortunately is pretty much gone now. Bradshaw Boulevard, the jumps of the, toward the finish had been there forever. And yeah. at some point, we just started calling it Bradshaw Boulevard. I don't even know when that started. Were yeah. you racing it when they called it that? I I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't yep. think. I, th- I think it might have happened 90, would have been 94, 95. Oh, okay. Wow. I think. Because I rode... I rode the national there in '95. I yeah. thought, didn't I? Yeah, that's a comeback. Yeah, your comeback. That was a comeback. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Exactly. So yeah. So I think it was during that time or something. Interesting. Oh, so at some point when you were racing, whether it be '95 or '97, they were kind of calling it that, even w- when you were on the track. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And I don't know. I don't really remember the moment of why it what came from that. Yeah. If it was, you know, a pass or a battle, or I, I, I don't really. I don't really remember. I remember when they took it away and, and people were, you know, I would hear people, because I was at High Point, um, actually the year I think they took it away. So everybody's like, I can't believe they did that. And going on and on and on. And I'm like, ah, that, that. And knowing you, you're it's like, yeah, whatever, bad. whatever. And as bad as I yeah. hate to say it, that track is just not what it once was. I mean, I, I hate to say that, but it, it's just shrank. And I get it for TV and whatnot, but it's just not, Many of those, you know, full on, uh, and, and I don't, I mean, I guess you'd call them old school, but, you know, natural terrain, real deal motocross tracks that aren't yeah. all completely man made. Yeah. You know, that was one of the reasons I loved going there was because of the terrain changes and mm-hmm. it was natural and it was long. I mean, if I remember right, it seemed like, and obviously the guys are going a hell of a lot faster now, but I mean, lap times are like 2.30. Were they you know, really? Back then. And then. Were they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. they. And then the year I was there, and maybe I'm wrong, yep. but then the year I was there, watched. I mean, it was like 147. <laughs> the, the year that I went, that they pulled that name out of there, I, yeah. I remember. I'm like, I can't believe. I mean, I know the guys are fast, mm-hmm. but they ain't cutting off that kind of time. They right. shortened the track and shrunk it down and oh, whatever, you know. Listen. But anyways, they got they got rid of the uh, they got rid of the, the the board the board turn. They're bringing that back though this year. But there's a rumor. They want the board turned back. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Damon. A little bit of a little bit of slice of uh, history kind of goes away in some of these tracks for TV purposes, you know. And, and I'm with you. It's, it's, yeah, it and I mean, I I understand it, but man, that's the reason we go to the great outdoors, right? Is to right. I, I'm all the time looking, and when I'm driving, is like you know seeing somewhere that's got just rolling badass hills, and I'm like, how cool would it be to have a freaking two and a half minute, you know, or three minute motocross track right there that was just natural terrain maybe the top of the hills need a little bit of dirt you know just so the guy but just minimal build like that but more of an old school european track but 
you know, have it have it nicely prepped where you're not riding like some of the tracks those guys have to ride. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. High point back then, man, it was probably like a – there were sections that were just off in the woods. Like, no one even saw it. Like, as a spectator, yeah, there were like it, corners that you would just yeah, never see. You, just They go into the woods and they oh, come out. Yeah, if you ran off the track, you needed bark busters for sure. <laughs> Uh, right. High Point High Point is one of the only national tracks I've never ridden. Just never done amateur day. I never rode a like, – yeah, I rode a lot of national tracks over the years, and I've never ridden High Point ever. So, yeah, it, it was and, one of the ones. And everybody always said that that was my home track, meaning that I raced there all the time. Well, I didn't race there any more than anybody else. Yeah. Because we went there as an amateur and rode amateur day. That was the only time we could ride there. Right. You know, there was. Oh, I was always I wondering was that. It wasn't like you were chasing some contingency and showing up five times a year for some other race or anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we would go there oh. and ride the day before the national as a kid, and right. and that was it. So, oh, know, I raced okay. against a lot of guys there that I raced. You know, I mean, I know for guys in California and stuff. Obviously, they weren't coming there to ride Amateur Day, but right. Well, anyways. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the yeah. time, Damon. Thank you for the Lee at Re-Raceables. High Point 97. I was there. Weege was there. It was epic. Uh, it was so, so cool to see you win that. And and really, the, the crowd, the reaction, the, the stuff afterwards with Davey being interviewed, that, that, that is what stuff that's the part that sticks out, I think, for everybody, right? Like, that, that was a real cool moment, real cool win. Yep. It does. It does. And I, and I always try to, you know, try to go back at least every couple of years or every other year or something and, and watch the national there. I've been back a few times and it's cool because there are, you know, there are still fans that were there then. And, and even before that, that are still coming to the races. So it's, it's really cool to be able to stop and, and talk to those guys. But as always, man, thanks. Good to talk to you guys. And uh, if you think of something we missed, holler back. I will do. Thanks, Damon. <laughs> All right. Thanks. See you guys. Good stuff. Thank you, Damon, for coming on. You know, he, Damon, He's not one for, like, pinpoint memories, you know. Uh, but, First Moto doesn't remember at all. Right, right, yep. yeah. But, uh, yep. but no, that, that's cool. Um, and, again, the interview of the uh, shirtless Damon Bradshaw, the crowd mobbing him with Davey, that was great. Yes. That was great. You can also see Tim Cotter's in there. I think it's the live track announcer also trying to get a microphone in there, hoping they can get something chamber of commerce day being mobbed chamber of commerce day chamber of commerce day i don't i don't think with that rain it was not a chamber of commerce day that day not a chamber uh interesting about the keith mccarty thing too the payday chocolate bar i didn't get that what does that mean well just because he was gonna win he was gonna get paid he was gonna win oh from honda you know like uh like who knows what kind of money you know he got but yeah um yeah yeah i don't think a lot is what it sounds like. yeah yeah also by the way uh i don't know if this is out of bounds here on the podcast Damon's wife, Angela, Angela, an absolute ripper. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, and still, and still looking good, by the way. Um, wow. Uh, but back then, we're like, dude, did you see Bradshaw's chick? Oh, only oh, Damon no. Bradshaw could pull a chick yeah, like Damon that. Yeah, Bradshaw, dude. Right. Really? I did not know. This. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like in our pits, you know, because yeah, Damon was around like as the privateer guys because it's kind of you know he had no semi or whatever, right? So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So she was coming to the races. Oh yeah, and really oh. nice, really sweet, nice, nice woman. And um, <laughs> yeah. So my buddy Jason Fernet, he got a fill-in ride at MHR Honda with Bradshaw later what? this night. Na- oh yeah. Oh yeah. My buddy Fernet tapped by Ziggy to fill in for Robbie Skaggs on a CR125. What the heck? Oh, he's what? got some stories. It's great. 
he went he went to Bradshaw one time. He's struggling, right? The bike wasn't very good, and he's he he rode two fifties. So I think Delorier helped put his word in for him for a fellow Canadian. Okay. And um, mm-hmm. he said he went to Damon one time and was like, "Dude, I just." I can't, you know, I'm struggling. I, I I don't know what's going on, man. I got this ride. Like, I, I really what tried, you know, tried to have a heart-to-heart with Damon. You know, first of all, we didn't even know if Damon knew his name, you know? Yeah, um, probably not. And, yeah. and and he said, Damon, all Damon was like, yeah, man, just, just fucking rip it. Just pin it. That <laughs> was, like, Fernet said that was his advice. <laughs> that was the insight. Yeah, just pin it. of a champion. Yeah, just just rip it. Rip the throttle cable <laughs> off. So, um, oh, gosh. good times for that. We, we should do another one with Fernet and barbecue stories with Bradshaw. Um, so, you know, yeah. we, yeah. We, uh, we mentioned this a little bit with Damon in that interview here, but, um, you know, the level of this program was so hard to understand back then because there was really no history of, like, a guy. This is, like, the very beginning era of, like, that, like, Honda of Troy, Larry Ward was on, was starting to have success. Yeah. Um, Timmy was on, eventually, some of these satellite-type teams. But this was the very early days of – I. I I just thought, hey, it's Bradshaw. He's a big name, and Honda just lost McGrath, so surely they're taking care of him. Right. Um, no. But I'm not. <laughs> but looking back at it now, considering this uh, rider running his own team was pretty new, he probably was at a pretty big disadvantage compared to the factory team. Oh I didn't yeah. Think of it that way. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, as we talked about with Damon, he loved that '96 CR, which is an ultimate bike, right? But then, yeah, that '97, yep. you know, he just was like. You could hear his attitude in the interview where he was like, you know, nobody wanted to ride it, but I'll ride it because he was used to riding YZ490s when everybody else had CR yeah. right? So Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but not I'm a great bike. back at saying like, man, it's so weird to me. Like, why did Bradshaw, he was again, like fifth place guy at best that year, but I'm not knowing the details of uh, apparently that, <laughs> that we now know that that aluminum frame CR250 was not good. Yeah. The first one. Yep. And his team was not a factory team. Right. Yeah, exactly. Add yeah. all that up, right? Um, yeah. Now you look at, say, you know, no one's saying, you know, the, the equivalent is, say, Joey Savacci compared to Cooper Webb, and it's probably not that far off. No, right? that is actually the same bike. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. That yeah. is not right. Bradshaw's situation back then. Nope. But I'm like, it's Damon Bradshaw. He right. should be able to win. Um, what a race. Uh, Lee at Re-Raceables, 97 high point Bradshaw, 3-1 overall. Um he doesn't remember the doing donuts in the car either. I was stuck in the box van going <laughs> back and forth in a box van. And I look over and he is just in this white rental car going donuts in the in the area. Because it was pretty late, pretty much cleared out. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah man, he won. He can do whatever he wants. He was screaming and yelling. And, and I forgot about the uh, the parade lap. But you, yeah, I absolutely remember that now. But I forgot at the time. Yeah, he did a... He did a lap with Shirtless. no shirt, show shirt, riding the butt, riding around the track. <laughs> what was what was the problem with this jersey? What, why was this? Why did this jersey have to go? Like you're going to be muddy. Like what? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, there was another. And by cl- the way, oh. Art does refer to a jersey as a shirt in this race. No, <laughs> oh, jeez. He says one of the guys got roosted all over his shirt. Yeah. How do you not know the terms? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Listen, Roger Fane on a KTW. <laughs> KTW right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, it, I'm just like art. Really, uh, really. So again, um, it, 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 a jersey is a shirt. Technically, he's not wrong, but that's just not the terminology. <laughs> uh, McGrath gets tenth in the second moto, and uh, D- Damon. He, that's one of the only things he could really could remember was passing Jeremy McGrath laying on the ground. Uh, so yeah, he, yet one time he got it over on yep, McGrath. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, what was and the level of McGrath wanting to get the hell out of there during a mud race at high point <laughs> when he had totally given up. Uh, seventy-two, the number of wins he has in Supercross. Oh, okay. It was at a seventy-two that he wanted to All get right. out of there. 
Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, that's a great race. There was another uh, race there, though. Uh, 125 class, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scotty Sheik, factory Honda rider, picked up uh, as a privateer for a factory Honda 125 ride. Uh, he goes 1-1 on the day for his only national win. Of course, we uh, we lost Scotty maybe like a month ago or so. Uh, Ron Ron second and some guy named Tim Ferry third on a Suzuki oh. Uh, oh. in the mud. Sheik wins uh, Moto 1 wire to wire. Second Moto. I, I didn't watch this. I just read the cycle news. Uh, he led the whole time. Ron Cotta got him briefly. Ron Ron, of course, France, good mud rider. Uh, and then Sh- Scotty got him right back, it says, with an aggressive pass. And then he took off for the win. So Scotty Sheik won one on the day. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was. And again, at the time, I'm thinking Sheik is on the rise. And this is not a big deal, only because he'll probably win a lot of races. But now, looking back, just like this Bradshaw win, it was the one and only. It was the only overall he ever won. Uh, That wasn't what I thought was going to happen. I mean, look, there was a very long history of Honda grabbing anybody, anybody you want. Just put him on a CR125 factory bike. He's going to win races. And what we didn't know is, I guess by 97, the whole Honda juggernaut, the whole Honda dominance, that ship was setting sail. Uh, And it wouldn't be like that uh, much longer. I mean, look. The, ne- the previous two years, Steve Lampson was the best guy. Dominant. Dominant. Yeah. In yeah. The, uh, you yeah. know? And now Sheik was his teammate. So you're just like, well, Sheik would probably be just as good as Lampson was and just as Henry before that. and Mickey Diamond and George Holland and Johnny O'Mara. Like, just keep going down the list. But it was setting. It was bad timing uh, for Sheik. He got on the right team at the wrong time. So Lammy was 250s outdoors. No, I believe Lammy got hurt in uh, 97. They never I oh, don't that's believe right. Lammy ever rode 250 Nationals for Honda. No, I don't think he did. You're right. So, yes, that's Even right. Even the because, next year, he because, was still there on an aluminum 125. Because Carmichael comes out in 97, wins Gainesville, but everybody's like, ah, it's his home track, whatever. Meanwhile, yes. Ricky didn't ride there all that much, but yeah, everyone was like, ah, he'll never... He doesn't right. have anything for Lampson. You know what I mean? Uh, and, he, yeah. and then Ricky yeah. just kept winning, even at Hangtown. Oh, no, I think Lammy, they split moto wins at Hangtown, but Lammy might have got it in 97. Okay. And then he went out with injury at some point. So, yeah. Yeah, Th- yeah. This and, race, uh, Ricky does not have fun. He does not have fun. No, he's horrible in the mud. But it's so early in the Carmichael thing, he's won. Yeah, he wins the first three nationals of the year, and then this one is a complete disaster. But it's not like after he wins those first three races, you're like, oh, so Carmichael's just going to start winning everything, and that Mitch Payton pro-circuit Kawasaki team he's on is going to go on to be the most successful 250, or sorry, 125 team ever. Like, you don't know that that's coming. No, no, absolutely not, right? And Ricky wasn't yeah. even in shape back then. He was a little portly, but boy, yeah, was he fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, I think Wyndham had some bad luck, bike problems at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I'm like, oh, once, once they get that straight, maybe Wyndham will beat him. Yeah, Wyndham had a DNF at Glen Helen or, Glenn, or Gainesville. Wyndham had a DNF motor issue. Uh, somebody put straight gas in his bike, I think, Henry's bike. Henry's gas was put into Wyndham's 125. Oh, my gosh. On the parade lap. I believe <laughs> it was this year. Problems. Yes, I believe it was this year. Oh. Uh, so. There was one race that year uh, where he pulls in the mechanics area. I think he had a pipe dented. Yeah, yeah pipe. And Ali Seymour, you know, Wyndham's mechanic, <laughs> changes it and literally just mans up, grabs the pipe, and just screams about how hot it is. Yep. But still changes it. Yeah. <laughs> Gnarly. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so for Sheik, yeah, I thought. Yeah. And by the way, Sheik, the next race at Bud's Creek, his his motor blew. I was battling for the lead. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, good, yeah. Good job. So good like pull. the momentum, the confidence that I thought was going to come, right. like unfortunate, it never materialized. Uh, the Lee at Re Raceables. We got some categories coming up. Uh, but hey, so Davey, 
I mean, we got to get Davey on the phone because he's the pit reporter and he interviews Damon, you know, with a mob of people chanting Damon's name while shirtless in a fogged up camera. Uh, wearing a racer X hat, it's great. And let's not let's not forget that his mom and dad run the race. Too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and he so, lives there. So we yeah. we called Coombs to uh, talk about his experience there. All right, here we go on the Lee at Re-Raceables. We had Damon Bradshaw on to talk about ninety seven High Point, but uh, this is uh, this is a man we got to get on when it comes to High Point, as well as really all things Re-Raceables because this is right up his category. It's a Racer X online uh, editor and magazine editor, Davey Coombs. What's up, DC? How are you? Uh, just actually, coincidentally, out here at High Point <laughs> right now, right. getting ready for uh, another national. Perfect, perfect. Uh, again, you're the pit reporter on this day. Uh, Damon Bradshaw wins. Scott Sheik wins. We'll touch on Sheik in a minute and the 125 class. Um, but first of all, uh, re-watching this, Davey, the interview after Damon wins. I mean, fans are chanting Damon. Fans are chanting, you're the best. You're the best ever. And you're trying to interview Damon. He's got no shirt on. This is great. This is great. It, it, it was one of the best, most spontaneous celebrations I ever saw someone have yeah. uh, after a race. And, 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 you know, Damon, for the longest time, this was one of the closest nationals uh, to where he was from and, and, and Moore, Mooresville, North Carolina. And um, he was up here as an amateur every year from the time he was on 80s. And, uh, and then when he turned pro, mm-hmm. he just established this immediate rapport uh, with the High Point faithful. And, and, and they were, they were there for him through thick and thin. It's, it's great. As he's coming up on Larry in the second moto, and it's a downpour. It is a damn downpour. I mean, at one point, a camera's going, and there's just a chick. She's screaming. Her voice is gone, and she's just screaming like she's getting murdered for Damon. It's great. Like, the fans are so behind him. Like, screw Larry Ward. Nobody wanted Larry Ward to win this race. It was truly a Damon Bradshaw crowd. Amazing. Yeah, and you know what? The funny thing is, if you back up two years, Mm -hmm. it was high point where Bradshaw made his comeback from his hiatus. And uh, I remember them screaming that day. He, he wasn't near the front for very long, but, um, you know, so, so he shows up on a Honda. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a mutter. No one is thinking that he has a real chance. But as the day progresses and the rain keeps coming and coming, uh, I had, like, mixed feelings because, you know, I, I, my, my parents promoted the event. I knew it was going to be a mess and it was going to be a mess to clean up. And I also knew that, that, that in the TV truck, Scott McLemore, who was the director that day, those guys were freaking out because the equipment was starting to go down. Oh, yeah. So okay. <laughs> there was like this race to the bottom for, for the event, yeah. for the TV show, <laughs> for the fans yeah. wallowing around in the mud. Oh. And, and through it all, Damon is like walking on water. It was, it was, it was incredible. It was great. His pass on Larry. Uh, I, was, I was in the mechanics area. I'll never forget it. And he doubles up and he passes Larry on the last lap. Amazing. Amazing race, huh, Weege? Yeah, and I, I had forgotten, actually, it was the last lap. And I was there in the crowd, and I was one of those people losing my voice screaming. And, and Steve, you were a mechanic. Um, now we look back, and we know this is Damon's last win. This is his last win. And really, that 97, the whole comeback from 95 on, he was never the level that we had seen before he retired for a bit. Uh, it almost makes the race as crazy as it was then. I didn't think, like, 
I was pumped that Damon was going to win High Point. I didn't think, and also this will be the last time he ever races here, and also will be the last win he ever gets. Mm-hmm. So it's actually become, I feel, even bigger in lore, and it already was huge at the time. It was, it was the equivalent of, uh, you know, just one of the greatest, most popular baseball players of all time, literally hitting a grand slam his last time at bat, and then just walking off. It's, it's Michael Jordan, you know, hitting the shot against, uh, you know, the, the Cleveland uh, uh, Cavs that oh, yeah. one year. And then yeah. just, just, that was it. He was done with the Bulls. Um, mm-hmm. But the, 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 the other thing about it, though, you know, in, in the hindsight of history, uh, you're right. It, it, it's, it's weird to think that that was sort of the, the end of uh, that era for the Beast of the East. And, and, you know, it was so inconsistent from, from, you know, that day, you know, you guys did a re-raceable on it, uh, 92 Super Bowl of motorcar or uh, mm-hmm. Los Angeles Coliseum race where, where, where his, his downfall really began. Uh, this was the only other high water mark, uh, other than a, a, a one off or two off supercross wins in 93. And then man, he, packed it in, called it a career, and then unpacked it, came back, and you just didn't think that he was ever going to win again, especially on a privateer Honda. Yeah. Uh, but, man, it, it all happened. And, you know, um, if, I, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, his mechanic, wasn't it Rick Ziegfelder at the time? No. Wasn't Ziggy? Ziggy was, was the suspension Delorier guy. And Ziggy was there. No, yeah. it, Ziggy, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't Deloria yet. It was another guy. I forget his name uh-huh. now. And uh, yeah. um, we'll talk about this more because I have a funny story about it, about Paul Deloria getting the gig uh, working for Damon and really and really turning his career around um, later. But, um, D- uh, Davey, quite a quite a different from Will Christian on a podium <laughs> with uh, with a hat, a sponsor hat on the rider and a towel and a drink and, and a jersey on. As opposed to Davey with a Racer X hat on and a shirtless yeah. Damon Bradshaw and the crowd <laughs> looking to uh, tear him limb to limb or, or put them on their shoulders, I guess is a better way. Quite a difference in time nowadays. Yeah. What's, what's amazing is, is you know, we were ready. We were waiting. He decided to go ahead and do a victory lap. Yeah. And, you know, thank God we weren't on live TV because right, that right. interview took place about 15 minutes later because the – the bottom of the track had fallen out. And yeah. by that, I mean, it was so <laughs> wet down in the bottom that we could not have had another moto. We, we were yep. lucky. Oh, that yeah. the, the rain, it, it would have been like Hangtown 91 uh, had we had to do another set of motos. We could not have done it. Yeah. Did I lost a shoe in the mechanics area. Did you find it, by the way, in, in 98? Or can I get it back? Is there, is there a lost shoe collection? I just lost one shoe in the mechanics area. <laughs> That, year, it's, it's that day, with, it's with Brad Lackey's uh, UG up there at Redbud from the Des Nations. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, hey, um, also, you got a funny story about your dad in this race. Yeah, it's 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 funny because um, it was my dad's last High Point National too. Um, he had got he would get sick the next year. He had leukemia and and didn't even get to make it out to the the ninety eight High Point National. And then we lost him in August. So it was really fitting uh, that uh, he had a small hand, we shall say, in, uh, in Damon even surviving that day. Because, uh, you know, my dad was at a point in his life where he was allowed to play favorites if he wanted to. <laughs> and, and, 
you know, the, the NPG had barely started. Uh, he was just the promoter of this event. And uh, a few years back, after Bradshaw and Stanton put on such an amazing uh, race, mm -hmm. both motos, I, I want to say it was 91, uh, and, and uh, he gave him each $500 <laughs> and, and said, said, you guys are the reason this race is, is as big as it is. And, yeah. you know, and they were, they were thrilled. And anyway, you know, because Damon had grown up here, he, I think my dad understood the gravity of what was going to happen if Damon won. And he also, being an old woods rider, could see that Damon's bike was getting closer and closer to expiring because Damon was going right through the giant water hole that <laughs> yes. formed where the pit area was before everyone moved up the hill yeah. uh, because you couldn't stand down there anymore. You probably remember that, Steve. And, um, and so my dad was down there and Damon came down over the double, which famously James Stewart would cartwheel down mm -hmm. a few years later. And, uh, um, any, any, he, he, Damon saw him, and my dad literally grabbed, grabbed the banner and pulled it back. And, and took, took like five the promoter steps of the race and up to the, the higher ground of yeah, where yeah. the starting gate was. Right. And Bradshaw goes and tiptoes around it uh, and, and saves his bike. And uh, he, he did it. A couple times, to right, be honest right. with you. Uh, <laughs> it, it, is, is, can Honda of Troy still protest, or is the is the window closed? It's, 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 I, I think the window's closed, and, and, and I'll, I'll deny it. Uh, <laughs> my dad is certainly laughing and smiling about oh, it. Oh, that's great. That big racetrack up in the sky, but yeah. uh, that's great. that was the old days with promoters <laughs> like Bill West and my dad and yeah. Gene Ritchie and Ward Robinson, they had a they had a way of inserting themselves when it came to uh, the local boy done good. Oh, uh, it's it's great. It's a I go back and watch it, people. The the ninety seven uh, race, it's it's fantastic. And yeah, it was it was quite a day for Bradshaw. Uh, absolutely, it's funny we uh, for doing these and you know we 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 just should make Davey a full time part of this show, Weege, because he's in these all these things we're doing. Yeah, I mean you're intertwined. Yeah, it's I don't great. know how far we'd have to go back. Right, definitely, you're not actually there for or interviewing the people yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I'm always up for uh, a team usa call i'm always up for uh, uh an old supercross or motocross yeah. in the 90s and chances are i was there if it was any time since 2000 yeah absolutely so uh also so we're focusing on bradshaw on this one obviously last win for all the reasons that we talked about but uh also scotty chic um just passed away uh we lost him a little while ago and this was scotty chic's one lone national win, factory Honda rider on a 125. Uh, he, and you know, I I haven't watched it on YouTube as we record this, but I did read the cycle news. He led every lap of Moto One. He led every lap of Moto Two. Ron Ron got him uh, in Moto Two late, but then Scotty got him right back, and uh, uh, it was a day for Scott Sheik. It was, and and Steve, you gotta, uh, you know, you, you probably don't remember this. A lot of people might not, but I I looked it up. You know, when when Scott passed away and wrote about it a little bit in Racerhead, there were actually three high point 125 nationals that that Scott played a big part in. Mm -hmm. 95 is a privateer. 96 is sort of a Suzuki support rider. And then, of course, 97. And the first year, 95, he led for for much of the first moto. Uh, and then his Suzuki let go. And uh uh, it was. It, it should have been a great day for him. 
but he was pretty bummed, but the crowd was really behind him, especially, uh, you know, when he, when he rode off, uh, or rode, you know, pushed off. And then, um, but it, he got something in his head that, that he could be up there with those guys. And then the next year, Kenny Watson is helping him now, and he's got <laughs> a slightly better bike. And this time, he and Mike Craig, who's a hunter Troy rider, put on a, a hell of a battle. And, uh, and Sheik beats him, beats everyone in the first moto. And, and I get to interview him afterwards. And if you look up the, the 96 High Point National, you'll see just how ecstatic he was. Uh, and he's, he's like, oh, my mom, my, my family's here. My pregnant sister's here. This is the greatest thing. And, and, and it, was, it was really cool because it sort of avenged what had happened the year before. But then in the second moto, that RM125 doesn't have what it had in the first moto. And there's a, there was a big triple coming out of the woods. And, and, and some of the 125s, meaning the factory bikes, could jump it and she kept bouncing off of it mm-hmm. and just kept going further and further back. So he ends up one seven. But when I interviewed him afterwards, he said, now I know I can be up there with those guys. And those guys know that I can be there too. And he also, you know, I asked him about the bike and he said, Hey, maybe it was my fault. Maybe I should have tested more. Maybe I should have had the suspension more dialed. I don't want to blame my Suzuki. I got the best bike in the world. He didn't, but, but that's the kind of guy Scott was. He was so humble, so genuine, and just so thankful for what he had. So then, you know, fast forward to 97, and it just all went right. And, mm-hmm. you know, he finally, after two years of being up front, wins the High Point National. And, and again, you know, in hindsight, you see he had a journeyman career, I don't think he was ever on the same team more than a year. Uh, you know, even ended up in Europe at one point. He just never had a better day than that one day at High Point. And I don't think he had a better track than High Point looking at those three years. And then, you know, when we lost him earlier this year, the first thing I thought about was like how weird it was that mm-hmm. the last best day of Damon Bradshaw's career would be the best day of Scott Sheik's career. Yeah. Yeah. And what's weird because kind of like Bradshaw, like as a Bradshaw fan, I was just thinking like, okay, now he's got confidence. Now he's going to start winning again. Well, it didn't happen. And then for Sheik, Davey, you and I were talking about this yesterday. Usually when, for about a 15 year span, when Honda picked you as their CR125 guy, you were almost destined for greatness. Mm -hmm. So obviously Sheik had done really well as a privateer in 95, as a support guy in 96. He gets on Honda in 97. And I was thinking, okay, this guy's going to start winning a ton of races. What we didn't know is at that time, the sea change was upon us. Carmichael was starting to win. Mitch Payton and Professor Kawasaki were getting together. Honda never had that level of 125 dominance ever again. He was like the last guy. If it was 10 years earlier, Scott Sheik just automatically wins the 125 national title like everybody used to in Mm -hmm. those days. He was at the end of the curve. And also, you know, Weege, think about it. Don't forget it's 1997. And Honda has a colossal change. They yep. lose McGrath, Jeremy McGrath, you know, four-time Supercross champion, uh, 250 national champion in 95. At the, at the zenith of all things Jeremy McGrath and replace him with Scott Sheik, more or less. Yeah, <laughs> it was, that's true. It yeah. was really rough because the expectations are just extraordinary. 
And 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 I think that that, that affected Lamson. I think it affected the team. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Scott did end up third in that series, which was a, a really great finish when you realize that first and second were Ricky Carmichael and Kevin Windham. And they were, you know, yeah. Ricky was on the pro circuit, Cowie. Windham was on a factory Yamaha. Sheik was right there. We should have been. But then one year later, Honda makes another change and they sort of farm out 125cc racing to an FMF Honda team. And, and, and it's not the same, not for Sheik, not for, well, for anyone. Yeah, I was on that team. And so 98 had saw the aluminum frame come in. It hurt the airbox. It hurt the carburetor and airbox placement of, a, of the mighty CR motor. The bikes were no good. Scotty had signed a two-year deal with Factory Honda. I wrote about this in Racerhead a few weeks ago when he passed. And he had signed a two-year deal with Honda to be their factory router. But the second year, you know, after getting that third in the, in the Nationals, they, they said, hey, you're on FMF Honda. We no longer are doing a 125 effort. And the bike wasn't good. Scotty felt like he should be on a factory team. And the team was a brand new team. And we had some disorganizational problems and kind of kind of felt bad for Scott. He was not happy all year. And, and rightfully so, I think, a little bit. He was not, not, not in a good place as far as where, what had happened. You know, he thought he was a yeah. factory Honda rider. And it didn't yeah, work well, out. And, and, and getting, getting pawned off like that, I mean, look what's happening with Aaron Plessinger. It's been – oh, wait. <laughs> Sometimes it works. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's actually a good point. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was interesting for sure. And also, this was round four of '97, and some kid named Carmichael came out and won the first national, beating the mighty uh, uh, Honda guys. And everyone was like, "Ah, it's just because it's his home track. It's just his yeah." Home he track. won the first. He won the right. first three on yeah. the trot coming here. And 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 High Point '97 was the first time that we saw Ricky's Achilles heel. And that was that he couldn't ride in the mud at that point. Uh, within 10 years, he's lapping the field. Yeah, he got pretty good uh, at it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he figured it out. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, but I, you know, I know that that was a point of pride for Scott Sheik, that, that not only did he win a national, but he was the one who stopped Carmichael's first yeah. run as a pro. And, and, um, and I'm also very proud to say that uh, Amy Sheik, Scott's widow, and the two kids are coming as our guests this weekend for the, uh, for the High Point National. We're going to have a, a moment of silence for Scott uh, that he didn't get to have, you know, in May because yeah. uh, it was right before the, the start of the Nationals. But um, I, I, she's never been here before, and, and I think that she's really going to feel the love and, and feel the vibes because, yeah. uh, you know, Damon Bradshaw was the, the favored son here at High Point in the 90s, but Scott Sheik was right behind him. Yeah. That's cool. That, that is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow, that's a great idea. Do you have any uh, – any, uh, we're, we're talking to Retro High Point here. Um, any, anything uh, retro that we might see this weekend? <laughs> anything that might bring back some memories? There will be making a special guest appearance an old track obstacle that people – ask about all the time mm -hmm. and uh we'll unveil it on friday probably nice oh nice. can't wait can't wait um speaking of old school high point um i've always wanted to get your take on this actually people would think that you and i talk about this stuff all the time high point memorial day weekend i feel correct me if i'm wrong guys i feel in the 90s and the early 2000s high point memorial day weekend was every bit what red bud july 4th was i feel that way 
Do you guys? Yes. I mean, it was huge. I stayed overnight one time in my box fan. I stayed in the pro pits in my box fan. It might have been 97. Maybe it was 98. I don't remember. But, yes, it was insane. Yeah. 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 There was was, um, one other thing about that 97 race that really uh, speaks to your point, Jason. After the race, Kevin Wyndham, someone had left a couch in the in the pro Uh-oh. pits behind Uh-oh. the uh, behind the Yamaha rig, and uh, Kevin Windham found me and said, "Hey, dude, because he grew up coming here for Amateur Day, mm-hmm. you know, all the time." And he said, uh, "You mind if I burn that thing? I always <laughs> I always want to do that because the couch burning thing, the couch burning thing was a Morgantown, West Virginia thing. Okay, anytime West Virginia University, which is 15 minutes down the road, won a big football game or a basketball game." The students would drag their furniture out in the street and burn their couches. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> so that sort of kind of creeped up the road to Mount Morris, to High Point, and fans would bring furniture to the race and then burn them either Saturday night or Sunday after the race. And, and so I'm on the other side of the, the track by the front gate, and my mom sees a couch burning in the pro pits and just absolutely goes batshit crazy jumps on a, a, a four-wheeler and like is going down there like she's with the fire brigade or something i'm like mom 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 no no I, I i told him he could do it and she was like it's people like you that are ruining this race <laughs> i don't know whether i like your mom's story or your dad's story better from this this, yeah. is, this is great well, yeah. um, yeah. But yeah, you know, we had to move off Memorial Day for the general good of the whole series. You know, you guys have talked about this before. Our Supercross and Motocross were still overlapping, mm-hmm. you know, in the 90s. And it wasn't until 1998 that it became a cohesive, let's finish Supercross and then start Motocross, which knocked Gator back off the schedule and made the opener Hangtown. And um, it was really hard for the... Cruise, and remember, you know, we're just starting the big rig era uh, to drive from either Sacramento or Glen Helen at that yeah. time to Mount Morris, Pennsylvania. That's that's literally almost illegal, uh, given you know what the, the the new road rule rules are for long haul trucking, and um, so we decided to to move it. And I think we found a good home for it and a good travel pattern, having it on Father's Day weekend. And uh, I think next year when things get back to normal, you'll see, you know, Hangtown, Pala, mm-hmm. Colorado, Mount Morris. Like, you'll see a much more cohesive right. pattern. Fortunately, this year we had a, a week off and a week off afterwards. So uh, I think a lot of eyes will be on high point this weekend. Uh, Lee at Reraceable is presented by Blenzall and Maxis. Davey Coombs on, on the line to talk about high point 97. So, Davey, obviously 2000 high point, pretty special time for me, uh, Kelly Smith victory. Uh, but And that was a mutter, but this one was worse, in my opinion. And then we asked Damon, do you remember a worse one than this one? And all he had was 91 Hangtown. In your uh, years, which are the worst mutter ones that you ever saw? Uh, to me, this one ranks right up there. I wasn't at Hangtown 91, but uh, yeah, yeah. I was not at Hangtown 91 either. And what's funny is that's the one race in history that I really wish I'd have been at. Yeah, I just think that would have been so cool to just – See, you know, and, 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 you know, it, it, to me, the muddiest race ever will always be Seville, Spain. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the World Supercross, and uh, uh, I, I just there's never been something like that, in my opinion. Uh, and, and then you know we we've had real mutters and at the Ironman. Um, yeah, you know I, I remember Red Bud was really muddy back in 1980 when uh, Denny Swartz won it on a Mako. Uh, but for in person yeah. for me. That bowl of mud soup that Sevilla <laughs> Stadium was. became uh, was was yeah. so bad, uh, it's hard to put into words. On the broadcast, Bailey mentions uh, an Atlanta Supercross where Hanno wins. So it could have been, I didn't look at the back of the vault, but uh, maybe 83, uh, 82, a Hanno win in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there was a real mutter in Atlanta, um, and then... Uh, you know, there was a Supercross actually canceled once. Oh. Actually, two. One was uh, up in Canada, but it wasn't an AMA Supercross. It was the second night of one of those Labatt's Yeah, it was Toronto. Races. Yep, it was Toronto, like, second like, night. I think Barnett won the first night, but yep. it was so muddy, they didn't do the second. But in 1977, at the Dallas Supercross, the main event took an hour. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because because no one had the foresight to cut the laps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. And and uh, Hannah won when Jim Pomeroy couldn't make it over the tunnel jump on the last lap. He had it won, and uh, it would have been oh, wow. Pomeroy's. You know, yeah. only went on a Honda and Supercross, but uh, it was so muddy that these guys couldn't get over the tunnel jump. Hannah got over it, won. That was that, but. I wasn't there for that either, yeah. so I'm going to stick with Sevilla, Spain. Right. Okay. All right. Um, this one is, is uh, my worst, I think, because I wasn't at Hangtown 91. I didn't go to Sevilla, Spain. So this one to me was the worst one I've ever seen <laughs> just because, uh, yeah, I was standing in the mechanics area, and I, I was getting flooded out, and I lost a shoe, and, yeah, everything. So, um, You know, I got it, – it's funny to, hear, to think of the perspective that I got, you know – Four years later, I'm working for you guys, Davey, but that feels like 15 years between this race where I'm a high school student on the fence thinking this is awesome. It's a mud race, and Bradshaw's winning, and High Point has a lot of mudders, and this is so rad. I only learned later, again, feels like forever, but only a few years later, as a promoter, how stressful it is following that weather pattern all week. Is it going to rain? And with High Point, it was like that every year. 50-50 shot. Is it going to rain? Is it going to not? As a fan, I just thought it was awesome no matter what we got, but I had no idea what stress that adds to you guys when you get weather like this. Yeah, it, it, it does. And, and that goes for any promoter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and it, it seems like this year we're going to have people no matter what I I'm the, the people are so hungry to get back out to the races. I, I think Supercross in 2022 is going to be blockbuster because so many fans have missed it for so long. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, if, if there's a silver lining to, the last year and a half, it's that it really built up interest in going to the races again, uh, getting outdoors and, and being in a crowd of people. And uh, so, you know, rain or shine, I think we're in for a great summer with all these races. But, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer it shined. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Davey, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about Scott Cheek. Uh, what a day it was um, watching it, rewatching it. It's just it's it's funny to, to see all the like I said, the shirtless Bradshaw crowd everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to get yeah. a microphone in there. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I Steve, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Was I the pit reporter in 2000 when Kelly Smith won? Yeah, I think you were. Yeah, I think I think we we yes. Um, 
Uh, they actually put the wrong name up there for me. You interview me. Uh, they put Kelly's old mechanic from the year before's name up on the screen because uh, he got fired and then I got put in. And so that was probably the only name that was on the the media thing, right? But you knew who I was so because you used the word Steve and then it has the different name on the screen. Yeah. It was my moment of to shine. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, uh, uh, I, yep, you were you were the pit reporter for that yep. too. And then Watson, and I, Watson's and then, got a great story about when Deegan won the Coliseum and he was like, Davey, Davey interviewed me and you weren't interviewing him and he's like, my guy's going to win. And you were, you were ignoring him. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was lobbying you for an interview in the race, during the race. So it was great. <laughs> yeah. Kenny, Kenny called me earlier this week lobbying for something. <laughs> there we go. Oh, yeah, perfect. Okay. Right. There we go. Uh, nothing yeah. has changed, just, but yeah. We, you can blame me for the wrong name, Steve, the same way that people blame Wygant now for every little thing that goes wrong on a TV Oh, yeah. Show. We do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. We do it re- weekly on the review pod. Absolutely. It's all week's oh, yeah. fault. Yeah. 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 I, I can't even tell what's sarcastic anymore when I get it on Twitter. <laughs> like, Peach, why did you cut the camera? <laughs> on lap four. Yeah. And I'm like, are they joking or they actually think that now? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. It's great. And it's I'll, I'll, leave you, I'll leave you both with this. I don't want to open a can of worms, but Steve, um, I heard you loud and clear. I, while I was out uh, uh, weed eating this morning, mm-hmm. I uh, was listening to the Lakewood Review Show. And uh, getting a credential this year is a two-step process. Uh-oh. And you did not complete the form. <laughs> There's a second form. So if the over-under is the fourth race, I'm going to take the under and say that you're going to have it this weekend. Okay. It was your own damn It was your own damn fault. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, who knew the approval letter didn't mean you were approved? I don't know. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Issue. I got an email saying you're approved, and they're like, but that doesn't mean you actually have it. And I'm like, what? Right. So, there you go, Steve. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Weege. I appreciate it. Net. But Weege got yeah. two, so I don't know how that worked either. But I do have two. <laughs> yes. yes. I, um, I'm both NBC and RacerX. Take that, everybody. Right, perfect. Uh, Davey, thanks again, man. Great stories. I love the I love your tap pulling the banner. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Uh, yeah, well, I, I appreciate I appreciate you guys doing these so much. They're so much fun to participate in. And when I'm not, I listen to them faithfully. And and uh, you know that high that high point ninety seven race for all three of us. I it, I think it goes without saying. It is just one of the coolest mm-hmm. days ever. It was a weird one, but but how it all turned out and what it means now in hindsight. Pretty damn cool to be a part of it. Absolutely. Thanks for doing it. I love the story of the dad pulling the banner. Big Dave <laughs> pulling the banner for Bradshaw. It's great. You were cackling. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Imagine the promoter of the damn race. Go here. Go right here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. The accusations of favoritism these days. When yeah. there's nothing going on, and <laughs> right. this actually happened. Yes, exactly right. Like if you people want to know what really happened in '97, the, the promoter pulled a banner for Damon. So uh, that's <laughs> here, great. Go here, right? Unbelievable. Uh, uh, it's great. Um, so yeah, Davy's Davy's stories are funny too. Uh, the couch burning and everything. Good good stuff from from Davy as always for these Liat re-raceables. Um, all right, shall we do the uh, categories? Is it time? It is time. Thanks to Leah. Thanks to Blenzall. Thank you to Maxis for making this podcast happen. Uh, search this thing out on the podcast apps uh, and uh, subscribe. And uh, really, really good feedback. We thank you, people. We thank Leah and Maxis and Blenzall for uh, having us. These these are shows are a lot of fun, Weege. They are a lot of fun. When I go back and think about sleeping in the box van, losing a shoe, watching this pass, you know what I mean? It's funny. Love oh, it. yeah. I mean, we've had these stories in our head for in this case, 24 years. That's horrible. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's nothing more fun to do. Yep. All right. Uh, raceables uh, categories. Uh, uh, who really won the race? I mean, 
Damon Bradshaw won this yeah, race. Yeah, <laughs> I will fight you. Yeah, I I, exactly. You. I will fight you if you say, because uh, this isn't always the winner. You know, a guy could come from last to second or whatever, and we're like, you know, he was yeah. the winner. But no, no, no. This was remembered for Damon Bradshaw's win. Um, the Liat Reraceables, who's that guy? Uh, I got a good one, Weech. I, I don't know. Sean Hogan from uh, Pit- Oh, where I wanted to go. Oh, you were going to go this one too. So I looked at the results. They're not all complete. I don't know who Jim Jones is from Indiana. He gets a point <laughs> in the first moto. But yeah. I, d- I definitely don't know who Sean Hogan is. He gets 15th on a Suzuki in the second 250 moto. Who's that guy? Sean Hogan. Yeah, uh, he's listed as from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I'm going to assume road high point a lot. Right. Um, and he's in the vault. He raced or made four nationals in his entire career. Wow. Good job. So he can always say, I got 15th in a, in a 250 national moto. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you look yep. at the results and you uh, Dowd crappy in a second moto, Jeremy crappy, LaRocco crappy, uh, Voss crappy, like like all, uh, Mike Jones, Ty Wallace. So like the second moto when it was downpouring definitely opened up some points. Like Pokoroba, ninth. Anthony Pokoroba. Yeah. yeah. Anthony Pokoroba, 15 9. Yeah. I have a Fernet Pokoroba uh, prostitute story that I will save for another time. But oh. uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know when that time's going to be. I don't know either. <laughs> if we ever do one of the shows after dark, maybe we'll get into it. Okay. Um, okay. So who's that guy, Sean Hogan? Um, you you also? Uh, yeah, well, you already took Hogan, so okay. I'm going to take Jim Jones, who I believe is also the yeah. name of one of the famous cult leaders in the world. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you were going to pull that out. I hope that's not the same guy. I hope it's not either. Yeah. There's no Kool-Aid yeah, yeah. in his pit. I only know that. I'm not a big true crime guy. I only know that because in wrestling – when they would try to set it out that like the evil manager has like mind control over this poor wrestler, they would always use Jim Jones as the, as the reference. Oh, really? Yeah, when they were setting up the bad guy wrestler to finally turn good, mm-hmm. they'd be like, if you could just get away from that Jim Jones mind control of his manager. <laughs> and then you knew, oh, within about a month, he's going to turn good, and then we'll get the cheer for him. There we go. Um, yeah. All right. Um, also, Cat Lit Kid Award. Well, I mean, God knows it, it, you can't tell anything in this, but – I mean, it, we, we, we talked to Damon. It's the Axos stuff. It, it, even in the 97 here. You know, Axos Prime, when you think of Axos, probably early 90s with Damon and Stanton and all that. But by 97, they're still kicking it out, and their stuff still looks really good on Damon. So, Yeah, yeah. And um, shout out to uh, – they had both Damons. Their young Damon was Huffman for a bit. Yeah. And his stuff was looking good, too, in his Kawasaki days. It was, um, yep. And, so and, they had it going – and Damon Huffman turned down, couldn't take a factory Honda ride yes. because he had an existing deal with Axo that Jim Hale wouldn't let him out. Yeah, yeah. and this was the age of the teams having team clothing deals. Like yeah. Fox had all Yamaha and all Honda guys. Yeah, right. crazy. Um, Lick Kid Award, Bradshaw, although, again, it's hard to tell uh, at this race. Um, <laughs> yeah, where's Where's JT, uh, Liat, Reraceables category? Liat, Reraceables category. Mm-hmm. Where's JT? Uh, we asked him. He said, drowning in mud. He's not in the results anywhere. So, <laughs> drowning in mud out there somewhere. Uh, I wonder if he did more uh, laps than Ty Birdwell. That would be maybe a, a great stat to look up if we can. Uh, I bet you he did because JT would, like, I think he was tougher than Ty Birdwell. So. Okay. Yeah, but he's shorter also. True. True. So, <laughs> uh, the Jacob Marsak Award for the guy who did the best that you don't remember in honor of Jacob Marsak. Um, you could go Pokoroba, 
you could go Robbie Skaggs, sixth overall in 125s. Yeah, that was going to be my call okay. there, and I didn't realize it. Wait, no, he's on a Cowie? Listen to the Cowie. Was he Bradshaw's teammate or not? He was Bradshaw's teammate. Um, yeah, I'm very he, confused. This, yeah, at this point, he's Bradshaw's teammate. So this has got to be on a on a Honda. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, sixth overall. I'll have to wonder if that was maybe the best ever. But you, ha- I mean, these are mud races, right? You got to take advantage. Um, quick glance. I think that is a career best for Robbie Skaggs in motocross. Had a had a Supercross podium once. Okay. Cycle News has him on a Honda in the results. Okay. Hashtag never okay. change. AMA. Um, yeah, so, uh, by the way... I don't uh, think... They didn't have transponders back then, did they? No. This is Cindy. Oh, this is Cindy. Can you imagine... Cindy Thomas? Yeah. This is JT's mom? Yeah. Can you... I mean, you're scoring this race? Don't, don't you 40 talk... 40 riders? Don't you talk bad about Cindy's skills. She got it now. Okay. Right. Um, by the way, f- Cycle News, quote, Ferry rode smart and steady to finish second. I was only riding at 90% because sometimes that's the way you have to ride in the mud, said Ferry a native of Florida, and the overall winner at High Point in 95. I was charging pretty hard at the beginning, but by the time I got to second, Scotty was pretty far out there. So I thought I would play it safe and see if he made many mistakes, which I guess he didn't. Still, second place in a race like that isn't too bad. Shout out to Tim Ferry once again, not winning, but getting on the podium. <laughs> <laughs> yes, That's, very consistent. Yes, Always consistent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Uh, so yeah, There's no way Timmy remembers winning High Point 95. Well, you know, we... We have that fame. I, I think we, I mentioned this on the story. I mean, that's his first ever national win, and the trophy is used as a doorstop in his shed. Okay, it's that one. Okay. Yes, yes. Imagine winning a national, everybody. First, your lifelong goal, and the trophy, which, which okay, the trophy is not anything special for a national okay. win. I'll give him that. The trophy isn't exactly this ornate, you know, work of art. It looks like Big Dave bought it down, you know, at the Morgantown Trophy Shop. Uh, but having said that, it, it's still got the plaque. It's still got the the plaque on it. You know what I mean? The the letters that you won a national, <laughs> and it is a doorstop uh, for his shed. Oh, back. Yeah, literally, literally. You don't mean it as a figure of speech. No, no, no. He's actually using it. It's the, for it's doorstop. where he stores his fuel, and you open the shed door, and it swings closed. Except you use the trophy from High Point to stop the door from closing. This is Tim Ferry, everybody. What? As we just said, Timmy's been on the podium like a hundred times. You couldn't pick a second or third. For that. <laughs> right? Right. No, no, no. I had to, had to pick the winning one. Right. Yeah. Jesus, dude. Uh, so anyways, okay. Uh, yeah, good stuff from Davey and Bradshaw on that. And uh, yeah, so that, that's the uh, Liat Reraceables category uh, awards as well. So um, shout out to uh, our guy, um, Sean Hogan. Love that. 15 Sean Hogan, over. yes. Yep. And uh, someone... I could probably go on Facebook right now. Surely there's people that are, you know, in the high point, the Pittsburgh area where Sean Hogan's listed from, who do all about this dude. So I'll I'll try to do some reconnaissance. Yeah. Maybe our buddy Billy Ursick or something. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking like Lee Hogan, you know, the old Aussie guy. But, uh, the Aussie, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yep. I got to announce with Lee Hogan at uh, Ossex two years ago. Oh, nice. Good, good dude. Um, good dude. All right. Well, that's been another edition of Lee at Reraceables. High Point 97. Great race. We were hold, we were there. Uh, and again, it was awesome. It was epic. And Damon Bradshaw rules. Uh, thank you to Blenzol and Maxis. And of course, the folks at Lee at for making it happen. If you want to save at Lee at Gear, send me an email using a contact form on PulpMX and uh, I'll pass you a code on. It's that simple, folks. So good times, Weege. Uh, thanks, for the, thanks for the time, man. All right. High Point, everybody. Always good.
like this? Yeah, I sure didn't. You know, I just I just kept riding. I didn't know what anybody else was doing behind me, but uh, I just kept trying. I didn't have any goggles, and uh, it was rough. But man, I'm happy. What about the last lap pass on Warren? Well, I had I had I was pretty sure that it had to happen, you know, for me to win the overall. So I just I just pushed, and it happened for me. Anything yeah, to say to this crowd? You are the man. And I tell you, this is the this is the best crowd anywhere we go, man. I tell you, if it weren't for these people.